Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome in. Team Afternoons with Steph. You know Steph uh, for the next five days. So uh, Sammy sitting in for you today, potentially tomorrow, Wednesday. And then uh, Stephen McIver is going to take us through the rest of the week. Uh, is everything going to be all right? Is everything going to be all right with the All Blacks? Because uh, there has been so much conversation leading up to uh, the squad naming yesterday from Ian Foster for the Rugby Championship and a lot of conversation overnight this morning, all on our text machines, on social media, etc. And now is the chance for you to give me your thoughts. 0800 150 We will open up the lines very, very shortly. Your text on double eight double three as well. Lots of talking points um, for me. The main, the obvious ones, of course, are the halfbacks. Um with Brad Weber excluded, Finlay Christie in there, no Sean Stevenson in the back line, um, and then you've got guys like Dallas McLeod, who is a true bolter uh, in the truest sense of the word because almost no one had him penciled in on their 36-man squad. And then you've got the All Blacks 15, which it does include some of the omissions, Brad Weber being one of them, Jack could you as well. And is Ian Foster just putting them in the 15 as opposed to the All Blacks squad so that they get more game time? We know that Aaron Smith's going to be probably starting halfback, so maybe putting Brad Weber in that 15 means he's going to get 50 or 60 minutes a game in the tour up in Japan. And maybe that's the reason why Foster's done it. Um, but there is also another big talking point here, and I'm happy to chat through with people on 0800 and that is Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Not in the All Blacks, which is predictable, but not in the All Blacks 15, which is, if you thought he had any shot, any future this year whatsoever, you think you, you would have thought he was going to make that All Blacks 15. So where, is Roger, where does that leave Roger Tuivasa-Shek? We know where it leaves him contractually. He is still signed with New Zealand Rugby. He has the Auckland uh, Mitre 10 Cup season coming up later this year. Will he play in that? Will he ask for an early release? And if he does ask for an early release, can the Warriors accommodate him? That is another massive talking point. Funnily enough, out of an All Blacks team naming, league still finding its way in there. I actually went to the uh, semi-final on uh, Saturday night as well, Chiefs versus the Brumbies, and I'm keen to talk about that with you. Uh, Justin Marshall, he is going to join us, and he is going to chat uh, the semi-finals as well as All Black squad selection. US Open on at the moment. I've got my eyes glued to the TV uh, because Ricky Fowler just bogeyed the 11th hole. He's gone back to 7-under. So you've got Wyndham Clark, who is playing in his 7th major and has never finished higher than 75th, and he is sitting in 1st. 
outright first, uh, 11 under through 11. Rory just in behind him on 10 under through 11. So we'll keep you updated on that throughout the show. Uh, and look, it may even go to a playoff if Rory can uh, can get a shot back on Wyndham Clark. And who would have picked Clark to win? It was all Scheffler. It was a little bit of Rory chat. There was a couple other Smokies in there like Hovland, Morikawa. But it's this guy, Wyndham Clark, who, like I said, is playing in his seventh major, who may take the chocolates and take the US Open. We'll keep our eyes on that. Rugby League chat. We're going to have Scotty Sattler on just after 2 o'clock. We are going to talk the weekend's NRL. We are going to chat through our State of Origin coming up. And the big one, Ben Hunt. What on earth is going on, Ben Hunt? And I've just heard or seen this morning that Ben Hunt has told the Dragons he's willing to pay $150,000 of his own money to get out of his contract. Have you ever heard of that before? Someone paying money to break their own contract. That is just surprising to me. Uh, and where does he go? Because he wants to go to a premiership winning team. Well, I tell you what, Benny, no premiership uh, contender has a million dollars lying around. If you want a million bucks, you're going to one of the teams that are sitting in the bottom eight. So that is a fantastic conversation as well. Ashes. I have been enthralled with the Ashes at the moment. That first ball... On day one, where Crawley hit it straight through the covers and the crowd erupted, just set the tone for the entire game and probably the series. We're at uh, day four this evening. It is well poised for a result. And given that Brendan McCullum is behind the helm uh, of a team in that game, you can imagine there's going to be some fireworks here on day four as England go back out to bat. So lots coming up between now and three. Almost too much, you might say. But a big part of that is going to be your calls, 0800 150 annual text 8833. But we're going to catch up with Justin Marshall very, very shortly, uh, former All Black and Crusaders halfback. I want to talk to him about the halfbacks and talk to him around the squad as well. Just a couple of names, like I mentioned before, a couple of names that uh, have made the All Blacks 15 who weren't in the proper All Black side. You've got Brad Webber, obviously in the halves, uh, uh, sorry, in the halfbacks. You've got Jack Goodhue as one of the midfielders, and then you've got a couple of the outside backs who may or may not have been in a shout, and of course Akira Iwani as well. But Izzy and Foster uh, putting those guys into the All Blacks 15 with a view to give them more minutes as opposed to pulling them into the 36-man All Blacks team and having them uh, not play as many minutes. That is a big question uh, and we will ask Justin Marshall very, very shortly. If you do have any questions as well, you can text through on double eight, double three. Uh, there's already a couple coming in here and I might just pick up on those quickly while we're waiting for uh, Justin Marshall. Um, Sammy, how come RTS isn't being granted the same courtesy to be released early to go back to league? League bosses let him go for NPC in 2021. Surely it's a no-brainer for everyone. He's wasted playing third-tier rugby. Better off giving that spot to a young up-and-comer with plenty of tomorrows. That is from Dez and I agree with you Dez a lot of people saying Roger's loyal uh, he'll want to see out his contract with rugby because that's what he signed on for and he'll play in the NPC but he was also loyal when he was at the Warriors he was the club captain he'd won a Delhi in medal with them and reasonably flying high and he was happy to leave the club early there to take up his rugby contract so why wouldn't he do the same and uh, and say to you know the NZR hey I want an early release. But we're going to talk this all-black squad. We're going to talk through the selection. So much to get stuck into. And joining us on the line now, uh, he is uh, one of the co-hosts on the rugby run, former all-black and Crusaders halfback Justin Marshall. Marshy, welcome in. Thank you very much, Sammy. Good to hear from you, and um, thanks for having me on the show. All right, mate. Let's let's rip straight into it. The meaty stuff. Ian Foster's 36-man squad for the rugby championship. Before we talk uh, specific inclusions and omissions, what's your overall feeling of, of the squad that he's picked? Predictable, that would be the word that I would use. Um, 
I, I certainly isn't the side that I would pick, but uh, my neck is not on the chopping block, is it? So <laughs> you've got to pick the, the players that you feel are going to be able to implement the game plan, um, execute, uh, give you the reassurance uh, individually, but also collectively in partnerships. Um, and when I say partnerships, I mean loose forward trio, midfield combination, uh, back three, whatever it might be that enables you to go out and uh, win test matches and, more importantly, win a Rugby World Cup eventually. So, you know, they've obviously done their due diligence. They've been through the process uh, throughout Super Rugby. They've also got history um, of players that they have had in the squad in the past that they believe in and might not be playing their best rugby, but they believe that they can get the best rugby out of them. Hmm. Um, So I believe that's why they've to the, the squad that they've got to now. So let's go... And, oh, sorry, and equally, I don't, don't mean to sort of jump in again, but and equally, injuries are obviously a big factor yeah. as well. There would have been quite a few names in there that they would have selected that they've been forced to have to omit. Mm. And I want to ask you shortly as well, Marshy, about the, the, the All Blacks 15 and, and maybe a reason why some of those names that are in the the All Blacks 15 aren't in the All Black squad, is it a case of maybe Foster wanting to give them more game time than what they would get if they were stuck in the All Blacks 36 for the Rugby Championship? I'll ask you about that in a second, but uh, the halfbacks, which is obviously your area of expertise, massive uh, massive call leaving out Brad Webber, who has been a massive part of the Chiefs' success this year, and Frinlay Christie, who a lot of people you know, would probably put behind Webber in the pecking order. What, what did you make of that one? Yeah, um, I'm a bit the same. Uh, to be to be honest, I don't I don't feel that we'd be terribly let down by uh, not by Finley Christie being in this squad um, and should it progress on to being rag, rugby world cup squad. Um, he's very capable and he proved that to be the case when he played for the All Blacks uh, last year. So yeah, it's then just a matter of where you think there's a point of difference and whether another player would have given you more and. Ultimately, you know, I'm sure that Ian Foster being terminal with the greatest respect in terms of his coaching future, he wouldn't really be worried about our future, if that makes sense, mm. because he knows that Brad Webb is not going to be there and available for him. So it had to have come down to a decision between both players. And for whatever reason, the conclusion that him and the selectors and his fellow coaches have come to is Finley Christie is a better player to have in our squad. And... I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but what I'm not wanting to do is to say that I feel that Finley Christie um, is, a, is an out-and-out um, player that should not have been picked. Because I still think he'll fulfil the role and he'll do it well. But personally, again, I would have probably picked Brad Webber. I feel that his... With, with, the, with the three that they've picked, I feel that he's the, the point of difference between the three of them that uh, that the All Blacks needed. Just because of his unique support lines and the way that he plays, I just feel that he would have prospered better in that environment with those players around him. Mm. Do, so do you think there's any merit, Marshy, in that in that um, debate that guys like Weber, maybe Akira Ioane, Jack Goodhue, have been put in the All Blacks 15 because they're going to get more game time there. They're not, they're not the out-and-out starters that the All Blacks are looking for for the Rugby Championship. So maybe they've been put into that team knowing that when they go up to Japan, they're going to get 60, 70 minutes on the field. Is there merit in that, do you think? No, I don't think so. Um, at the end of the day, you know, when, when you're formulating a squad, uh, and we've seen it in Super Rugby, particularly with the Crusaders, uh, who have had massive injury problems all year, you're reliant on your squad. 
and 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 the squad is basically more than the 23. And the All Black squad of 36, which will be then taken down to 33, they need to be together. There, there's no point in them being coached in a different manner, mm. playing in a different environment and in a different side, and saying, oh, they'll be better for the game time because why are they going to get more information? Uh, why are they going to get uh, better tutelage than what they would get from being within the squad? It doesn't make it, any sense to me. I just feel that they're just trying to put together a strong New Zealand A team. I, I would I would have to say it has nothing to do with the current squad. If you're in the current squad, you're most likely to be in the Rugby World Cup squad because it's got to be narrowed by three players. I think that New Zealand A thing is all about just keeping players playing that should there be massive uh, injury problems in the rugby championship to the main squad, that they're still getting some rugby and they can then come into the main squad. Mm, yeah, no, there's good points you make, Marshy. Um, Sean Stevenson, uh, I feel so sorry for this guy because what more did he need to do to make an all-black squad and sort of similar to what you're saying with Finlay Christie with uh, Amoni Narawa, his Chiefs teammate, who is a fantastic player and has had a great season, but to see his name on the team sheet ahead of Sean Stevenson does confuse me a little bit. It does, you know, and again, that's a gamble. Um, and, and equally, there's probably some argument that, you know, Sean Stevenson has been consistently over two years probably playing better rugby than Caleb Clark. Mm. Um, so, you know, you, you factor that into the equation uh, and, and you also say that he's got the versatility, so you can't use the versatility card. Um, in fact, he's got more versatility than uh, Narawa and Caleb Clark. So, and, and that is a point. And again, you know, how much does a player have to do? Uh, all I can think of and, and go back to is that they have had Caleb Clark, um, to use him as an example, in their system before, and they believe they can get better rugby out of them than he's been playing. Um, and then again, maybe with Narawa, it boiled down to do they want an out-and-out winger that yeah. plays wing all the time that doesn't move around positions like Stevenson does, but... Again, I still don't think that we have conclusively fulfilled the fullback spot. You know, why not give a guy the 15 jersey or are you still going to try and mess around with Will Jordan on the wing and Bowden yeah. Barrett fullback and Damien McKenzie slots into fullback? I don't know. Whereas Stevenson at the weekend showed to me in difficult conditions when it wasn't a razzle-dazzle style play that the Chiefs usually play, in wet conditions he con- controlled the high ball, his kicking game, his defensive work, all the attributes you need of a, of a very good fullback. Yeah, and I would argue he had a bit of a kicking game as well in, in uh, his number yeah. 10 in, in that game. Um, and it's funny yeah. too, Marshy, because I, I, when I did see the squad, I, I saw, you know, Will Jordan really is the only out-and-out fullback that, that Ian Foster's selected. And even yeah. then, like you said, he's played on the wing. But then uh, outside of that, you're relying on these guys who play all their Super Rugby at number 10 to, to, to sort of fill a, a number 15 position should they need to. And why why they couldn't bring in another fullback like Sean Stevenson does sort of, like I said, confirm me a little bit. Um, got to make mention of Dallas McLeod because he is in the truest sense of the word an All Blacks bolter. Not many people had him penciled on the team sheet at all. What do you think Foster's seen in him as a reason why he's been put into this team? Well, I saw Foster mention versatility, uh, which he obviously sees as a huge positive. He can play from 12 all the way out to fullback. Um, I wouldn't like to see him playing fullback, so I'll say 12 all the way out to the wings. I mean, he's played left and right wing for the Crusaders. So he sees, obviously, the ability for a player to be flexible. Uh, now, 
I don't um, doubt that Dallas McLeod um, is a very good rugby player and, and at some point in time he's going to find his position specific. And when he does, I think he'll really grow into that. He hasn't found that at the moment due to the obviously the talent at the Crusaders and then equally the fact that they've had injury problems. So he's been the player they've been able to rely on to move around. But I must say, mate, that I've been banging this drum for a couple of years now that I feel that we've, we've got to get to the point where we start picking players in their positions that they, they specifically play really well. Mm. And you would have to say, well, you've, you've, you've said he's versatile. Damien McKenzie's versatile. Bowden Barrett's versatile. Anton Leonard Brown's versatile. Rico Ioane's versatile. When are we actually going to start picking a centre who's a centre? Yeah. A 12 who yeah. is a 12 who plays there all the time. Geordie Barrett's versatile. We've, we've used all these players continuously in multiple positions and they're continually not getting regular game time in one. Rico Ioane, you could argue, yes, in the last two years, has had just centre on his back. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, in my mind, and this is my personal opinion, uh, make me think that he's a better centre than he is a winger. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's the way that he's gone. It's definitely not Dallas McLeod's fault. He's played really good rugby, um, and you, you can't... Um, you can't question the fact that he's in good form um, and he's a very good defensive player as well. But in the balance of the squad and, like I said, the, bat, the drum I've been banging, I'm just not sure that's the direction that we needed to go in. Yeah, um, no. yeah, yeah, in spot, terms of versatile versus position specific. Spot, spot on, Marshy. I've always said the same thing. I, I can't stand it. Yeah, we just mm. pick a guy, pick guys that can just cover three different positions as opposed to specialists. Mm. Um, we, we're running about out of time, mate. Just before we do let you go, um, I wanted to talk to you about the, the semi-finals over the weekend. I'm still trying to work out where the, <laughs> the needle sits on the spectrum of whether the Crusaders were that dominant on Friday night or whether the Blues were just that bad. Where do you sit? Uh, I, I sit sort of balanced. Uh the, I think that the, the Blues' defence uh, at times was, to use, I, I guess to put it um, kindly, mediocre. They they, they really got outfought uh, by the Crusaders um, on attack and a lot of times they gravitated in, they took the decoy runners, they got hooked in and it just gave space for Richie Moonga to pull the strings and use all that speed and power outside him. So defensively, I thought... The Blues were poor, and that and that uh, really started at the breakdown where they lost the battle. Um, the Crusaders, probably one of the best performances I have seen of any Crusaders uh, side in a finals knockout game in my lifetime. Wow. They, they were exceptional. And, you know, when you look at the intensity and the tempo and the physicality that they brought to that game and then combine it with the subtleties that enabled them to score the tries they did, it was a complete performance, um, and it rattled the opposition, pushed them into a corner, and when you get pushed into a corner, you've got to puff your chest out, get your fists up, and fight your way out, and the Blues mentally weren't there on that day to do that. They, they, were, they were shocked into uh, being able to be insular, and they just didn't come out fighting, and uh, the Crusaders just climbed into them all day. Mm. So a bit of a fault on their behalf, but the Crusaders, exceptional. Yeah, and Dalton Pupperley did say as much about the about the mental frailties of the team. Uh, yeah, and then the time. And then the Chiefs with, a, with a, I guess you'd call a grinding win over the Brumbies, and people who, you know, looked at the score lines or, or, you know, sort of did observe the games might feel that the Crusaders would have all the confidence given how they dismantled the Blues. But how important or how much confidence do you think the Chiefs will get from, from getting a win like that in tough conditions? You know, 
was cold and wet in Hamilton and a very good Brumbies team. You know, is right. that going to bode well for the Chiefs going into this weekend's final? I think it. I think it's better than winning. Um, you know, by fifty or sixty points, and people go, "Oh, yeah, but the Crusaders just did that." Um, but I feel that when you're the home side, uh, you know, you, you need the ability to make sure that when the, the fight comes from the opposition and it's an, an opposition like the Crusaders who won't be daunted by going away and having to win a final, who won't be daunted by having that baggage of we've got a final to win because they get, that's what they do. So you, you know you're going to get at times get into a real grind and limited opportunities happen in finals and the ability to grab them either offensively or defensively as a team, as a unit under adversity that's what wins you the big games. They had to do that in a semi-final, the Chiefs, and they had to go all the way to the 86 minutes or whatever it was to do so. And I think it'll put them in a good frame of mind. And you know, there's absolutely no doubt that they won't be complacent. You know, two really hard uh, finals games, quarterfinal, semi-final games, mm. opposition, it took the game to them. Mm. So who you got, Marshy, next weekend? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a Chiefs um, fan, so be careful. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I will be careful. I, 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 the, the only thing that slightly concerns me is the Crusaders being able to lift to that exceptional level again. Like, that was such a complete performance. Can they do it back-to-back? And to a degree, they probably have to go up a cog. If they do that and play at that intensity and that tempo, I see them winning the game. Not by much, but I can. they're just they're ruthless enough to do it. Um, but if they're not at that level... They won't get the job done. So I'm going to say the Crusaders by a minimal amount of points, and I hope that gets me back on the stage. <laughs> I'll just put a little grey uh, cross next to your name, mate, but I'll see if it turns into pen, depending on what happens next weekend. Uh, Marcy, always appreciate Bye your right thoughts, mate. mate. Love, love, you having on, uh, love having you on the show. Uh, go well. We'll talk again soon. Yes, no problem. There you go. Justin Marshall, former All Blacks, former Crusaders halfback, and some good thoughts there on the All Blacks selections and uh, the Super Rugby fi- uh, semifinals as well. Give us a call. 0800 150 811. Phones are open now. I want you to react to the All Blacks squad announcement. I want you to react to what Justin Marshall said about uh, a few of uh, Ian Foster's selections. Pretty strong, Marshy. Pretty strong on a couple of points there. Um, you know, calling the team predictable, but also... Um, suggesting that he, uh, Ian Foster hasn't picked some of the best players in their best positions. So give us a call 0800 150 811. We will take your calls after this. Lots of texts coming in on 8833, but we do take your calls first and foremost. So 0800 150 811. We go to Steve in Auckland. G'day, Steve. Yeah, g'day, Sam. How are you doing, buddy? All good? V- very well, my friend. How are you? Yeah, no, no, no. Actually, pretty good. Listen, just firstly on that Crusaders performance on... Uh, Friday night, man, that was just an absolute clinic and probably anybody who had sort of doubts and reservations about Scott Robertson as a coach um, to pull up a team that had so much personnel on this and just simply simply amazing and I think the way they, they hit the blues hard in that initial opening so I, I pretty much think set the tone for the whole game. Mm, mate, I think if uh, if he isn't already considered, I think if Razor gets the gets the job done against the Chiefs next weekend, he's got to go down as probably the greatest super rugby oh. coach of all time. And then, you know, who knows where he's going to go with the All Blacks. But there, there could be another conversation we have in a couple of years. Oh, yeah, very much so. And just a, a quick thing on the All Black team, but on the game, um, it's not, in terms of the selection, I'm reasonably happy, but man, I just absolutely loved what uh, Justin Marshall 
get to say with, with his comms, I mean to say he doesn't hold back. Mm. He's not afraid to have a crack at a selection. Absolutely fantastic. And I'm just going to get him. Just, I know there'll be a lot of criticism about the props. Listen, if you're playing South Africa in a quarterfinal or France or Ireland, you've got to have some guys that can scrum. And I know these guys, in terms of work rate, some of their, their ball skills might be the greatest, but I will settle for anybody who could scrum every day of the week and, and twice, twice on Sunday. And I kind of look outside the squad and I don't know if there's a lot of great putty props. I think those guys at Scrum Time are still, still the best. And just on Rico Ioani, man, I think this guy's a winger. I've, I've seen enough defensively. I heard Kate earlier this morning said nobody can touch him. Well, unfortunately, Rico can't touch the defence either. <laughs> um, seriously, you think back to that that Irish series, especially in the second and third test, where, man, we got exposed. I mean, so they walked through us a couple of times in that third test especially. But his, his defence is just so concerning. But he's probably too good a player to leave out of a match day uh, 23. But, mm. but hey, in the main, a bit like Marshy, a little bit surprised at a couple of selections, but you know, deserved at the end of the day and injuries played their part. Yeah, no, nah, appreciate your calls always, Steve. Love your thoughts. Uh, very articulate and we do love having you on the programme. 0800 150 We are going to have to take news. Uh, we've got a couple on the line, so just hold there, uh, fellas. We'll get to you after news sport weather. Just quickly though, uh, Steve raised a good point. I mean, you don't begrudge anyone who's made the Sawbacks team. There's no one there who doesn't deserve, I think, to be there. They're all good players. But it's interesting, isn't it, that we've got an All Blacks team that has really struggled over the last three or four years, and we're still picking the same people. We're still picking Rico Ioani to be a centre. We're still picking the same first fives. We still, you know what I mean? And as Marshy said, it's a bit predictable. Well, I would think if you were on the on the cutting on the, on the um, What's the cutting block? Knife block? Chopping block? <laughs> Some sort of block. Uh, you would be making bold calls. Um, and I think of Freddie Fittler in Origin. You know, you, you've got to make some... You've got to, you've got to change something. Something has to change because you're not... You know, you're not going to win playing your, playing the way you have for the last three or four years. Give me a call. 0800 We'll take new sport and weather. Pick up with your calls and texts after that. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah! Oh, 800 Give us a call talking all black selections, exclusions, omissions, inclusions, if you want. Give us a call. Just quickly updating the US Open for you. Uh, Wyndham Clark still one shot ahead of Rory McIlroy. Uh, he is 11 under. Rory's 10 under. Uh, and they are through 13 holes. Rory, funnily enough, on this day, back in 2011, was when he won the US Open. And he hasn't won a major since 2014. So uh, big drought for for Rory. And we're going to actually talk droughts a little bit later on. Some of your biggest and famous sporting droughts because Alex Twole, uh, the Tigers uh, front rower, just scored his first ever NRL try after 116 games, which is remarkable. So we'll talk some uh, sporting droughts as well. But we go to the phones, 0800 And the life member Zaid calling in from Auckland. Good day, Zaid. Uh, good afternoon. Quickly, before I get into the um, All Blacks team, um, well... Talking about Alex Twelve, he opened the drought for all the um, Cronulla Sharks yesterday. I think was it Tom Hazelton scored his first try of the season. Um, Braden Hadman Yowali scored his first try, and was it um, Cam- Cameron McKinnis? I think. Yep. 
Yep, they all uh, they yeah, all got they, they all got meat pies. It was uh, the Alex Twelve floodgates that opened up, um, which was yeah, yeah but, great to see. But yeah, great commentary by Andrew Voss on that try. He just he just went like I think he just did a bit of a Sammy Hewitt moment, didn't he? I think we've actually got. Uh, I think we do have the commentary here. Um, I think Robbie's going to play it out for us. So there was the Vossy commentary on Fox, which I thought was brilliant. Zadie nearly broke his voice, just like I do. Uh, have a listen to this. Right on the goal line, Wakeham kicking out North Luna's way. Here comes Dayden. Scramble, Tigers. Alex Twell. Alex Twell has ended up with a ball. Oh, it, it was like a it was like a jet plane, Zadie. Just kept going up and up and up. Vossi, fantastic call, yeah. and a great moment too. Um, but yeah, on the All Blacks, um, yeah, I, I can only see the the midfield. I can see for the for the All Blacks that Foster will be picking will be Rico Ioane and Jordy Barrett. Yep. I just can see that's who he's picking, and I mm-hmm. that's who I agree with, and that's who he'll be picking. Um, I think the wingers he'll go with if they're fit. For the first game will be I reckon Mark Talia and Will Jordan. I think they both can both play. Um and then I think Bodie Barrett will be at um first five, obviously. I mean sorry, full back. And then I think it'll be Mwanga or McKenzie shoot out for ten jersey and maybe and obviously Aaron Smith will be your half back and then I think Finlay Christie will be on the bench. Um and I there's a, there's another big shootout as well, as well as um Takiyaho and Cody Taylor are both pretty close. You don't would he lose much of either all? But uh, yeah, I would have had um, definitely Sean Stevenson instead of Amoni Nadiwa. And I really want the Chiefs to win this weekend. Um, I can't, I, I can't stomach the Crusaders winning another Super Rugby <laughs> final. Yeah. I know the Blues didn't turn up, but please, Chiefs, can you please do the Blues <laughs> a favour and, and hammer the Crus- and beat the Crusaders, please? You're, you're a great man, Zaid. And just on uh, Samasoni Tokiaho, I I actually thought he was pretty poor in that game uh, against. Uh, the Brumbies on Saturday. I was down there at Waikato Stadium. And look, I know it's different when you're there as opposed to watching it on TV, but obviously there are a couple of not straight line-out throws. Uh, there were a couple of errors that he made. He missed a few tackles. So uh, I-, I thought he had a pretty poor game. But I think you're right that him and Cody Taylor are very close uh, to a starter. And Zade, I don't know if you've seen, but the TAB have actually got a book on the starting 15 for the first test. So you can actually go yeah, in and, and yeah, go in and have a little dabble as to who you think's going to start, mate, and uh, and put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you for calling. Zay there, 0800 Go to Dino down in Dunedin. G'day, Dean. Yeah, guys. Good to hear. Like, I mean, jeez, I, I think Zay, Zay's pretty right because that's what Foster picks. He's been picking for the last four years, that back line. I can't stand it. Like, I'd like to see either Damien or Richie at 10. doesn't really worry me. It doesn't worry me at all, to be fair. But I'll, I'll put Leonard Brown at 12. I don't know that Rico's ready to move back to 11 sort of instantly, so I, will, I would put um, Lucifer Nick, who's the best winger in the, on the planet at the moment. Like, his work rate is just unbelievable. His passion is just get you off the couch. You want to jump up with him. So, and my centre would be Enor. Has, he's been the form centre ever since he started playing for the Crusaders this season. Mm. So he would be the centre. And, and Sean Stevenson, for me, would be the right winger. Because he can tackle... And they keep mentioning that the the reason he doesn't make it is because of his defence or fullback. It's the hardest tackle to make on the on on the field because some other clowns missed him first. Mm. So he's not he can't go any slower when he gets to fullback. I played them myself. I hated it, mate. They're smashing you when they get to fullback. So you've the sidelines your best friend. So I would put him at fourteen, 
And I don't want to see Will Jordan anywhere near a winging shirt for the rest of his life. Like, he's... The French fullback's the best in the world, in my opinion. But Will's that close, but he just hasn't had enough game time yet. Like, he's he's now the quarter. They're eight and a quarter all blacks out, but he's only a quarter off being back where he used to be. So, interesting. But for me, Ryan's the, the godsend, mate. Like, listening to him speak to Kirsty after the game, that, that, that he's just so real. Mm. So real. And I feel sorry for Weber, but... I don't. This team shouldn't have been named until next week. Yeah, simple as that. Yeah. For that one reason alone, like Weber's huge for the chair. Yeah, Paul Bugger's got to be gutted unless I've told him what you are all suggesting that hopefully the captain of that team, Billy Harmon, will be close to that job too. I'd imagine. But if he's the captain, they've said we just want you to play some game time. We want to have a look at Rygard. We have a yarn to him and say, look, you're going to the 2027 World Cup, but we've got to take Weber's got to be going because just for his partnership with. Damien, but this is the thing that Foster annoys the hell out of me. Is he does? He's got no form combinations, and whenever we have won a World Cup, every man in the world can name a team. That's why the TAB have opened a book. No one will get it right. We ain't got a hope. <laughs> we all know who we'd like, but none of us are the same. And when we've won, the drunk outside pack and save can name the All Black team. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. Great book, because you'll know I'll get it. No one will be close. I tell you... Dave and I, Mike. I'm yet actually to... And the point that you raised in there, Dean, and I know we had a little chat about it last week, but I'm yet to hear the reasoning as to why they pick the, the All Blacks team the week before the final. That, I don't know why that makes any sense. And someone might be able to explain it to me on double eight double three. Maybe it has been uh, divulged by Ian Foster or someone from NZR, but I've never understood why. Well, over the last two years where they've done it, I don't, I've never understood why. It doesn't. It makes zero sense to me why you'd need to do it before the final. Oh, and it was glaringly obvious last year. This is what I said earlier. Leon McDonald worries me. He's learned nothing in 12 months. They were no better than exactly 12 months ago, but it was a final as opposed to a semi-final. They were terrible. Yep. But I guess if he has to have a training run, he had to name those Blues wingers, so he's got some wingers to practice with, and they know him. Mm. There's no other reason you'd name them. Clark has been terrible, but it's not Caleb's fault. Rico can't give him the ball. Bowden's up because he doesn't want to give Rico the ball. So he kicks it. Mm. But Bowden Barrett, given his time again, would not have moved to Auckland. I'm convinced of it. But he, we, we've got the world's best player. Now he's only getting in on reputation. Mm. Appreciate your calls. Appreciate your calls always, Dean. Uh, we've got to move on, but uh, thank you for calling in. Oh, 101 uh, The lines are open if you want to ring in and have your say on the selections. Uh, and also the Roger Tuivasa-Sheck thing, because that is another talking point to come out of these, uh, not really the All Blacks team, because you know, it was almost guaranteed he wasn't going to make that 36-man team. But to not even make the All Blacks 15, to me, is a massive indicator um, of A, where Roger's at with his rugby career, but also B, perhaps what's going on behind the scenes with NZR. So then the next question is, do uh, the Warriors have the salary cap and the uh, roster spots to open up for him? I can talk to you about that if you want. But give us a call, 0800 Rory on the 14th hole uh, got absolutely plugged into the side of the bunker, had to take relief, and I'm pretty sure it was free relief. I'll have to double-check that as he lines up this little chip shot, but I will uh, bring you the latest from the US Open as well after the break. 0800-150-811, give us a call. Ten minutes away from 1 o'clock, uh, we have uh, Wyndham Clark leading the US Open through 13 holes. He's 11 under. Now, Rory, because of that uh, relief, I think had to take a shot. So he's dropped back to 9 under. So two shots off the lead. Scotty Scheffler's three shots back of that, 6 under. Along with Ricky Fowler, who has had a nightmare fourth round. Um, 
I think he started 10 under, didn't he? So he's four over for the fourth round. So look, Wyndham Clark, if he can hold on here, um, I don't. Well, no one, pretty much no one would have picked him to, to win the US Open. Wonder what the odds were on that. Lots of texts coming in here on double eight, double three. Did just want to quickly talk about the Roger Tuivasa-Shek situation. So uh, we let's look at it from a couple of angles. Firstly, US uh, um, New Zealand rugby. So. Uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, contracted to New Zealand Rugby, hasn't made the All Blacks. There are rumours that he has a, a clause in his contract that says if he doesn't make the All Blacks, he can he can leave rugby, he can get an early release. Now, you would think if that clause is not in there, New Zealand Rugby would still be willing to grant him an early release, given what the Warriors did back when he was granted an early release from them. But, you know, if you're New Zealand Rugby, are you given that there is a little bit of a battle going on between league and rugby in terms of interest, do you allow, you know, arguably the biggest name the Warriors can bring back, do you allow him to go back early knowing the battle that's going on? I know that sounds really petty, and I hope that's not what's happening, but it is just a conversation that might be out there. So Roger Tuivasa-Shek, from New Zealand Rugby's point of view, um, he'll need to ask for an early release. That's another, is he going to ask for an early release? Well, let's assume he does, and let's assume New Zealand Rugby grant it to him. You then got to ask the question whether or not the Warriors have the cap space and the roster space uh you know, given that they have to have 30 contracted players signed off by the NRL. Now, uh, Andrew McFadden, the recruitment manager for the Warriors, was on with Smithy last week, and he dropped a couple of lines that really interested me. When was asked about Roger, he didn't mention the name specifically, but he did say they've got a, a couple of roster spots open, so that's a tick there. He dropped a line about having ways to, uh, a few tricks, I think he said, to put, uh, have the salary cap at your advantage which tells me that there's some way they're thinking of bringing Roger back. Then he also made uh, mention of the fact that um, he, they need to be patient. And he said, it's lucky that the team's going well at the moment. We have the luxury of being patient, which makes me think that they've looked at the plan and said, if we bring Roger Tuivasa-Shek back, and let's just arbitrarily say round 20, that means that for the remaining rounds that we pay him, we can stay under the salary cap and we can give him the spot on the roster and it all makes sense. And that was the whole patience thing. It's talking about the ways of manipulating the cap because the way that the cap works is that you pay them almost pro rata on how many games that they're appearing for. It's what Matt Lodge did with, I think it was the Roosters, where they paid him basically per game. That's essentially what would happen with Roger. So if they can push that date out a little bit further, and maybe it also helps push the the money they have to pay New Zealand Rugby for the early release, maybe that's a factor in all of this. No one knows the answer to these questions apart from Cameron George, Andrew Webster, and Andrew McFadden. They are the only people that know how much money they've got, how much, uh, whether or not there's a timing issue. They are the only people that know. But they did say when Roger was signed, uh, or when was he was announced a couple of months ago that he was coming back in 2024, they did say, we're expecting him back in 2024. We're not entertaining an early release. That is what they said. They've changed their tune on that because Cappy could have easily told Smithy and the conversation around Roger could easily be quelled by the club just saying, he's not coming back this year. He's coming back in 2024. But they're not saying that. They're not saying that. They're going in circles and they're talking about, you know, circumventing caps and they're talking about being patient. That makes me think that there are plans afoot and I am not going to put my house on it, but I personally feel Roger Tuivasa-Shek will be in a Warriors jersey in 2023. That is what I believe. Uh, you can give me a text on that if you want, double eight double three. And we'll keep the lines open as well after one o'clock for a little bit, 0800 150 going to have a little look at the Ashes as well and how that's played out over three days. Would love your thoughts if you've been staying up late. Uh, through the night and having those early mornings, uh, let me know. But we will take a short break. Come back with more after this.
We are coming up to one o'clock here on SNZ. Staff away for this week, so Sammy filling in today and uh, TBC on the rest of the week. Uh, after one o'clock, we will talk some Ashes cricket. We'd love to hear from you on that. And I've got a whole lot of texts. Man, I've got a lot of texts to go through. Double eight, double three. Uh, we, we'll keep the lines open as well, uh, so you can give us a call if you like. After two o'clock today, we're going to catch up with uh, Scotty Sattler uh, to talk a little bit of NRL over the weekend. We'll talk Alex Twell's try. Uh, we'll talk the Shark. He's going big over the Bulldogs, Ben Hunt and where on earth Ben Hunt is going to go and I see, I mentioned earlier in the show he is willing to pay his own way out of his own contract, which is just remarkable to me, and State of Origin of course this Wednesday Game 2 at Suncorp in Brisbane do the do the Maroons take out Origin for yet another year, we will uh, we will find that out on Wednesday, so lots to come now between uh, 1 and 3 o'clock stay with us, we'll take new sport and weather, come back with uh, texts and calls, a little bit of the ashes after 1 o'clock Three minutes past one here on SNZ Afternoons with Staffy. Staffy away for the week, so Sammy sitting in uh, for today, and we'll uh, TBC on the rest. Uh, over to the US Open, and uh, Wyndham Clark still in the lead, 12 under through 14. Uh, McElroy, 9 under through 15, and Fowler just in behind them, 7 under through 14. So you'd say it's between McElroy and Clark, and at this stage, a very tough climb because McElroy would have to well, he'd have to almost birdie the one or two of the last three and hope that Clark bogeys a couple himself. Uh, just seeing Rory hitting a shot here off the hill. This will probably be an important one for him. I'll talk you through it. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and commentate golf because uh, it's definitely out of my wheelhouse. And for someone who's a terrible golfer, absolutely no respect. Uh, it's a good little shot though. Nicely onto the green for Rory, and it's going to be a longish putt potentially for Eagle, I think this might be the par five. So I'll keep you updated on that one. Uh, lots of texts coming in on double eight, double three. I'll get to these now. Uh, and we're going to talk some ashes very shortly. You can call me on that 0800-150-811. Ken says, um, hey, Sam, damn disastrous weekend all round from the Blues to the ABs. And what was the squad? What was that squad? Foster and his little mate from down south selected. Don't even bother listening to it after hearing a couple of rumours. Just get your mates in there and to hell with it. Hey, those two should be sacked on the spot today. They don't care. It'll be the worst all-back side to leave New Zealand. New Zealand 15 would beat them. McLeod and Chief and 200 Chiefs players, just a joke. Same as Leo McDonald, just leave now. Stupid tactics that cost a lot more than the Blues Crusaders game. I'm wild. Ken, I can sense the passion and the frustration in your voice. You've also said, as for Ben Hunt, he can just go. He can just go. Who cares? Just a troublemaker, better off without him. And he's too old now. Cheers from Ken. <clears throat> it's a funny thing when players ask for an um, early release. Why wouldn't you grant it as a club? Because if a player's asked for an early release, and I know people get annoyed about this, and they say, oh, the club should just stonewall them and say, no, you stay here and you play. You, you've signed a contract. And I, and I get that sentiment. But at the same time, a guy is openly admitted he doesn't want to be there. Do you want that person at your club? Do you want someone there who isn't really, and especially someone like Ben Hunt who's desperately trying to get out of it? I mean, the rumor that he is going to pay $150,000 of his own money to get out of his contract early shows that he has absolutely zero desire to play for the Dragons. So you've got to get rid of him. And someone also says, um, Carl says, ben, the Ben Hunt thing is good for the Warriors if he doesn't play against them next uh, this week. Well, funny enough, Carl, I reckon the best result for the Warriors is Queensland win State of Origin on Wednesday night. Because you'd think after a, a tough game and they win, they go out and celebrate. That's a late night for Benny Hunt. And then, they've, and then the Dragons are playing on Friday against the Warriors. That's only a two-day turnaround. Even if he plays, he's not going to be at 100%. And that bodes very, very well for the Warriors. So... 
Warriors fans, I think you should be cheering on Queensland on Wednesday night. Uh, Goose has said, I think Roger will get a release. Cameron George hinted on ECNZ last week. I think that was Cappy McFadden, that they had two roster spots and cap space available for a run into the finals. Remember the Warriors let him go early for the benefit of the NZR, so maybe the favours will be returned. That's a big if. Um, Brendan says, my questionables would be the two Blues props. Coles out for Amua and Christie out for Webber. I think that's what you're saying there, Brendan. Clark, very, very lucky. Happy Hoskins and Akira, nowhere near the team. With RTS playing the NPC, it's probably his last chance to win some silverware, including the Warriors, before his playing career is over. It's a good point, Brendan, as well, because the Auckland team is looking pretty strong. Um, but good thoughts there on the All Blacks as well. Chris is happy with the team. It's funny how people throw all the negatives from the selection to foster them praise Jason Ryan for positive. That's how it's going to be, unfortunately, for Fozzie. He won't get any credit for any success, but it was good to see him relaxed and happy. That is from Chris. Um, I'll get through a couple of texts shortly, but Mikey has called in from Christchurch. G'day, Mikey. Oh, hey, g'day, Sam. I've um, only just joined the show. I've been um, I actually went to the movies this morning. So oh, what'd you see? That was nice, but different. Uh, the Flash... The Flash, nice. I've heard good things actually. Yeah, when, it, when it's raining, like I can't, I can't really work. So why not? Hey, yeah. um, I've just, I just came on and heard Ken's um, uh, text, and yeah, man, I, I feel he's such a passionate fan, and you would be really, really pissed off with your team, I think, after Friday night. Mm. Um, did you go on Saturday to the Chiefs game? I did, Mikey. I was there in the pouring rain, like a true rugby fan that I am. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you saw Friday's game, but um, I was just curious as to what your thoughts, what the what the game might bring. Yeah, well, I, it's interesting, Mikey, because I watching the game on Friday, and and you know, full disclosure, and everyone knows this about me. You know, I am more league focused than I am rugby focused, so I probably haven't watched as much Super Rugby as you this year. But I was struggling to work out whether the Crusaders were playing that good or if the Blues were really that bad. I think, um, and it, I, as I asked to Justin Marshall at the top of the show, I think. It, it was almost better for the Chiefs to win the way they did um, than, than to score 50 points on the Brumbies because I think it's going to be that type of game next weekend. And, and I think back to that, not not this year, but I think it was last year, that game against the Crusaders, the Chiefs, and I think it was in Christchurch, where, do you remember that game when they made like a record amount of tackles and the Chiefs just couldn't yeah. get through the line? And I feel like it's going to be that type of game on, on the weekend where the fence is just going to be so tough and it, look, if it is similar weather as well, Mikey, it was miserable in Hamilton. Um, if it's similar weather, it's it's going to, I think, play out the same. So in that regard, I think the Chiefs, it was almost the perfect semi-final for them to prepare for that. But at the same time, the Crusaders are just going to be absolutely full with confidence. And, you know, that they this is what the Crusaders do. And, and it's, what, it's what annoys me about them, Mikey, because they're so damn good. Is they is they can have a season where they're not playing at their best. They can be without eight All Blacks, and then they lift to a completely new level in the semi-finals against uh, you know on paper a very very good Blues team. Um, it, it does worry me a little bit that there's another level they're going to go to next Saturday. I hope they don't, but think, but I'm definitely worried. Yeah, the great thing is going to be is that both teams really really want it. Mm. I mean, I was uh, listening to Brad Weber um, talk to Kirsty on on the TV and. He, he's quite happy that it's the Crusaders because they want to get one over them in terms of a title. And um, and listen to Richie Moonga as well after his game. He he was just pumped that this is what they want, finals footy. Um, what, either way, it's going to be huge. Yeah, and, and I, um, I'm sitting quite close to sort of the sideline on Saturday and just seeing... Um, the, the sort of passion um, and excitement on Anton Leonard Brown, Sean Stevenson, um, Damian McKenzie's faces when that final whistle went. Like they are, they are pumped up and they are fizzing for a home final, Mikey. So hopefully packed out FMG next weekend 
and a and a very very close game. Looking forward to it. Good stuff. Thanks, Sammy. All yeah, right, Mikey. Bye. Appreciate the call. Oh eight hundred one five zero eleven. If you want to jump aboard and give us a bell. Uh, just on the Ashes, someone says, I thought the Ashes were going to be free to wear now. Uh, it's currently free on Spark uh, until Spark closes down at the end of the month. And I think once it closes down, then it'll go free to wear on TVNZ. So I think that's how it's working. But I've been enjoying watching it on Spark. It's the coverage coming over from the UK. And yet it's free at the moment because um, Spark's obviously closing down. Uh, back, uh, back to the text machine. Um Grant has given me the reason why they named the squad, the All Black squad, a week before the final. They named so that the uh, non-final playing players can go into camp on Wednesday. And, you know, I guess that does sort of make sense, Grant, in a way. But is it worth – the difference is a week for the non-playing players. Is it worth that when arguably your best players are the ones playing in the final, most of them anyway? Um, Yeah, I still don't – it still doesn't sit well with me, Grant. I don't know why you can't just wait until after the final and then go into camp that Wednesday. But, you know, they've got a system. The All Blacks, they know it works, uh, apparently. Jared, don't forget Havili at 12 for the World Cup when he gets back. Anton Leonard-Brown at 13, absolute general of the midfield. I also have absolutely no trust in Rico at 13. Too much decision-making from Jared. Big part of those All Black selections, of course, were injuries. There is a, a whole list of players uh, not available due to injury. Angus Tarval, Ethan Blackadder, Cullen Grace, David Havili, Joe Moody, George Bow, Patrick Tupolotu, Quinta Pire, Severis, TJ Perinara. There's a couple of names there that won't be back at all for the World Cup. But just bearing in mind that I think should, had they been available, they probably were going to be names that were on the, the in Foster team list. Um, Steve says, Roger Tuivasa-Chek does not deserve to be in the ABs. He has still got a rugby brain. He he has not got a rugby brain. He lacks thinking. He is still learning rugby, and that's from Steve, and that might have been the biggest barrier for him, Steve. Uh, Craig says, Young Zaid asked a question earlier on the morning show, which was interesting. Why is Hoskins Satutu not in either squad? Surely he's done enough for the second team at least. Another big one, uh, Craig, that a lot of people have texted in about. Can't answer it for you to be honest, and there's a few of those as well. Dino's sent about 30 messages in here. I'll pick out a couple of them. Uh, thanks, uh, Justin, Marshy, for your honesty. Leon as a coach after the last two se- seasons worries me, but in Razor and Ryan, we can't beat anyone. Uh, yeah, I-, I find it interesting that the Blues have sort of gone backwards in a way from making that final last year and arguably being the best team of the year outside of the final um, to being where they are this year. It's, it's a remarkable... Um, sort of 12 months of no real improvement or innovation. Uh, Kanu has said, RTS has been absent most of the year. Didn't deserve to be in the ABs when he was picked. Another brilliant player the Blues brought over, just Benji, just like Benji. Um, that might be what you're saying there, Kanu. And uh, Jared also says, the cool thing with the Alex Twole try for the Tigers is that Vossi has him on morning his morning show on SEN and regularly and has been the main topic of conversation between them. Did not know that, Jared. We might see if we can find some audio. If Vossi talked to him this morning, maybe it's later in the week. But Vossi was certainly pumped up that Alex 12 finally went over. Um, Sean. Hey, Sammy, could you see uh, Ben Hunt going to the Dragons uh, as a swap for Kyle Flanagan? Shane Flanagan's son. I know Gus Gould rates Ben Hunt, and I think Flanagan could grow into a solid number nine. Um... So here's the thing, and I'm going to ask Sats about this after 2 o'clock, um, Scotty Sattler. Ben Hunt wants to go to a premiership winning team. He He's come out and said that. But the problem is no premiership contender has a million dollars in their cap space. They just don't. I mean, you think about the Rabbitohs, you think of the Storm, you think of Penrith, Broncos. They don't have a million bucks because their rosters are very solid and sound and challenging for a premiership. 
you look at teams down the bottom and you look at the Bulldogs, you look at the Tigers, maybe the Titans, etc. And those are the teams that are going to have the money available to buy someone like a Ben Hunt. But they're not premiership contenders. So he's in a bit of a situation. He will have to take unders if he wants to go to a team that's going to compete. He's going to have to take unders big time. Um, otherwise, yeah, of the teams down the bottom, I actually think, Sean, funnily enough, I think the Tigers are probably the perfect fit for Benny Hunt because Luke Brooks is leaving the club at the end of the year. He's a million-dollar player, so that frees up a cap. It's almost a swap-for-swap swap in terms of salary. And Ben Hunt's a much better player. The problem is, does Ben Hunt want to go play for the Tigers, considering where they are? TBC. Uh, and just finally, Sammy, I thought the TVNZ Sports CEO lady said Spark has allowed them the ashes and they are going to put it on Duke. If your texter calls TVNZ, they will gladly guide him to the channel. There you go. So give TVNZ a call. It might be on Duke. Sorry, I don't know the exact channel, uh, but I just know that once it's uh, once it's off uh, Spark, then um, it goes to free-to-air television. Um, and finally, uh, Sam, I... I would advise the Warriors to sign Geordie Barrett to fill one of the spots free in their squad. He was down in Melbourne earlier in the year with the Melbourne Storm, though I'm not a Warriors fan. I see Geordie Barrett will be good for the Warriors. That's Jason from Arulabark. Jason would love to see Geordie Barrett playing rugby league. Unfortunately, he is an all-black starter, and he is going to be at the Rugby World Cup this year. I don't think he would have any desire to give that up to play rugby league just yet. Maybe next year. Love to see Damian McKenzie as well. He sort of reminds me of Ryan Pappenhausen a bit, but I'd love to see Damian McKenzie playing in uh, the NRL. I think he'd go fantastically. Uh, Joey, do we have Joey from Auckland? He might be talking to the boys out the back. Joey on hold. He's on. Joey, I got you there. Yeah, Sammy, g'day, mate. You How are you? Talking about uh, producer. Good, thanks, buddy. Just talking about your uh, the producer about um, two, two, Roger Two of Us shit. Yes, sir. Roger Two of Us shit knows he's not going to be an All Black now. Um, he's been there, done that, uh, whatever. Um, they should give him a New Zealand rugby union should give him a, an early release, like you were talking about earlier today. And um, and the reason being too, it's like you and I, if we were playing for the uh, the Warriors or whatever, we were going to go to rugby, um, and we didn't, the Warriors didn't want us. Um, what happens is is you end up playing, not being mean to the NPC, but but to uh, um, club rugby, club rugby league. Mm. So he's going back and playing. He's going back to the NPC, and what what he's he's playing in the NPC. For what? Yeah. He's playing six, eight games to the NPC, and then he's going to go anyway. So you let him go. And as, as I said with the uh, about the, the players that missed out, you can't play you can't play one out of three games really really well mm. and, and become an All Black. And the guys that have missed out like Hoskins Tutu and and Yuani um, and that, they're not playing consistent enough. Now whether they've been injured or whatever, they're not playing as good as what they they did when they got in. And whether and and they're picking these players. This side they've picked, most of them have been on form. Um, I feel sorry for um, the fullback Stevenson because he deserves to get in there. Uh, Will Jordan's played three games. Admittedly, he played very well and come back, and he's a little bit of a risk with his head injury in that. But um, you can't tell me in three games he's better than Stevenson. And what will ha- happen is Stevenson got offered to go rugby league last year. If he doesn't get picked for the All Blacks again, he'll go. Mm. He'll say, see you later. You don't blame them, you know, and, and you've got to be consistent. It's, I agree with what what Dino said this morning too about um, some, the, the props and that. Some of those props got in there, they're getting in there on reputation. You know, why do we need, and also too, uh, Sammy, why do we need three first five eights? Why do we need three hookers? Why do we need 
three. Okay, I can understand maybe halfbacks, maybe. I can't understand three hookers. You, you, you play, you play one hooker. He gets, he comes off after sixty minutes. You play another one. Okay, if they get injured, you bring another one in. If, if um, the first five eight gets injured, you play, you play another five. You've got players that can play in those positions. So what do we need three for? I, I can understand with the with the tight forwards. You know, with, sorry, with uh, bar the hookers, I can understand with the locks and with the um and, and maybe the the, the Lucy's because they're more involved. But I can't I can't work out why we picked three halfbacks, three five eights, and three hookers. Well, Joey, it's an interesting point as well that um, Justin Marshall raised, and it's something that I've thought about for a long time now. I, in any sport, really, I whilst I like having a little bit of versatility in a player that can cover a couple of positions, I just don't like filling a whole team with guys that can play multiple positions. I'd rather have out-and-out fullbacks. I'd rather have out-and-out centres. I'd rather have out-and-out first fives. But we seem to want to pick guys that can just cover a whole bunch of different positions. And I looked at the squad and saw Will Jordan is the only out and out fullback and even then he sort of spends time on the wing but you know generally he's the only out and out fullback and that's where it would have been perfect to bring in like a, a Sean Stevenson to just cover him in the fullback position because we all know it's probably going to be Bodie who starts there certainly initially um, but yeah I, I can't stand that sort of versatility and going back to the Roger Tuivasa-Sheck thing Joey um, I think you know two points on it in terms of him going to play Auckland MPC firstly you're right he's got nothing to play towards so it would be different if he was going to play MPC with the hope that I mean I guess there is the hope that he's going to make the All Blacks but I doubt you go from not making the All Blacks or the All Blacks 15 to playing MPC and making the All Blacks for the Rugby World Cup. I highly doubt that. But the other point in all of this is that All Blacks 15. If Roger had missed out on the All Blacks but made the All Blacks 15, different story. But he's missed out on both, which tells everyone that they've basically given up on him as the project. And so if you were Roger to Sheik, I'd just waste absolutely no time. I'd pick up the phone to Cam George and I'd be asking for an early release. I... Like I said before, Joey, I am confident that Roger will play for the Warriors in 2023. And if you want to be really bullish, you'd say it might even happen in the next couple of weeks. Big TBC, but it yeah, might I happen. Agree. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and also, too, and, and one that was very lucky to, to get in, and you know, it has been mentioned, too, is Caleb Clark, too. We know, we know that. Mm. And, OK, it doesn't matter. They've been picked and they've got in. But I'm with like, you and Justin Marshall. I'm getting sick and tired of, of the, the, these selectors and that selecting guys... Oh, they can play four different positions. When when I played rugby league and rugby, and especially rugby league, if if you you had a battle between I played five eight, so you had a battle at five eight. You had two years at five eight. One years got in, the other one played reserve grade or played in maybe if you you could cover fullback. That's about it. But you, you know we're, what we're doing now, we're, we're picking we're picking too many guys that can play in, in a various various positions, which is ridiculous. You know you have a second five eight. If you pick him, you have your next second five eight. You pick him, and he's the second second five eight, and then the others miss out, and that's just tough. But at the moment, we just we're going round and round in circles. We're going all. Well, Bowden Barrett is not an international fullback. No way in the world. I mean, you know, he's struggling at the moment at five eight, and whether he's injured, I don't know, because he is. He's a very good footballer when he's when he's fit, but he's struggling at the moment, and he's probably our third best five eight. And he ain't an international fullback. Yes, he can play against Namabi and, 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 and teams like that. You, weak sides you play, he stands out because he's, he's got out and out pace. Mm. But you put him up against the top sides, no way in the world is he, he an international full, fullback. I'm so, he's played there because we've, we've, changed, we've wanted to change things around to keep guys happy. And that's what they're doing with Stevenson. They're giving them a little bit of a, a carrot to say, 
oh, well, if someone gets hurt, you've you got to be in the All Blacks. You know, where he should be in the All Blacks because he's probably the best fullback in New Zealand at the moment. Yeah. But anyway, I- mate, Sammy, you have a great day. I will, Joey. I was waiting for you to say go the Mighty Turbos. Well, go the Mighty Turbos. <laughs> <laughs> Attaboy, yeah, Joey. Mate. Appreciate your call as always. Yeah. Uh, good, good thoughts there from Joey on 0800-150-811. Uh, I tell you what, Wyndham Clark has just completely opened the door for McElroy. Uh, after bogeying the 15th, he uh, had a chance for par, lipped it out, and uh, is going to be punting for bogey. So Rory is going to be storming home. He's got two holes to play, and he's licking his lips after seeing that bogey part as well. So it's all on at the US Open. I'll keep you updated as we go. I've uh, got to take a short break here. When we come back, might have a quick look at the Ashes and uh, what's transpired over the first three days. Coming up to new sport and weather at 1.30, I was going to talk a little bit of Ashes, but I might just hold that off until after 2 o'clock because I want to bring you the latest from the US Open. Uh, currently, Wyndham Clark, who bogeyed the uh, the 16th, he is 10 under. Rory, 9 under, who is teeing off uh, on the 18th now. So should Rory uh, make a birdie here, he will be tied with Clark, and Clark will have uh, two holes to play to try and uh, either get the lead back or uh, or hold on for a playoff. Uh, we will wait and see, but I will keep you updated on that. Another text that came in here from Sean says, uh, just on the RTS going to the Warriors this year, it will all depend on whether the NRL register him contract uh, to what market value he's worth. The Warriors may not have the cap space to sign him. Sean, that's what I talked about last hour with uh, with Cappy, saying that they do have ways of manipulating the cap. Also, I don't think the NRL would have any hesitation signing Rogers' contract off they know how many eyeballs he's going to bring to the NRL, how much interest, not just for Warriors fans, but around the NRL who want to see a former Dalian medal winner back in rugby league. I think 100% that they're signing off on that, no questions asked. Uh, and Keith also says, RTS this year, no way. The Warriors are supposedly built this year on the team ethos and it's working. Leave him where he is. Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> I understand that, um, Keith, I do, but... You talk to any Warriors player, and Charles Nicol Klukstar was one that I spoke to a couple of weeks ago, and they are almost enamoured with Roger Tuivasa-Shek and his work ethic. He consistently, constantly is referred to as being the hardest worker and trainer across rugby and rugby league. You talk to any of the coaches and they say the same thing. And I think what works in his favour and the team's favour is that they haven't really settled on a centre pairing this year, the Warriors. Uh, started off with Braden Williami, he got injured. We had Rocco Berry and Adam Pompey. We had Vilea in there one week. All of a sudden we had Montoya shifted off the wing into the centres. Uh, and then we had uh, Ali Leotoa make his debut. The centre pairing for the Warriors has hardly been settled for the entire season. So I don't think it's any disruption if Roger comes back to put him straight into that centre role where, you know, he... he no one's really had proper game time there anyway. He probably is going to have to play a couple of games in New South Wales Cup just to get himself back into rugby league and the speed of it. Um, but I don't think that's going to be too much of a struggle for Roger. But look, it is a massive TBC, and I've and I've mentioned this many, many times. It It is Cappy, Webby, and Cam George are the only three people that know all the answers to these questions that everyone has around salary cap and early releases and how it all works. So until we see a proper release, a, you know, a press release, we're not going to... We're really not going to know. It's all speculation, but I am just feel it in my soul that Roger's coming home. I've got a hashtag on Twitter at the moment, Free Roger. Let the man play. Let the boys play. One thirty here on SCNZ. We'll take new sport and weather. Uh, when we come back, we'll catch up with uh, Paul Mawate from the TAB. One thirty-three here on SCNZ. Time to go to the TAB, catch up with our good friend Paulie Mawate. You can download the TAB app and bet on all your live sports, your favourite sports. Just download the TAB app or go on the website. US Open heating up as we enter the final stanza. 
Paulie, how are you? Yeah, you're right. The US Open. Hello, here we come. Um, what? There's only a hole or two to play. Uh, McElroy and Scheffler are currently approaching the 18th green. Scheffler's just stuck it on the green for two, so he's got a birdie putt that's starting to roll back that ball. I'm too. watching the exact same images under. as you, Paulie. <laughs> See that ball? He's Here it comes. Under. Here it comes. <laughs> Still Hasn't coming. stopped. There you uh, go. Yeah. He's currently two hundred and fifty-one dollars to win the U.S. Open. He'd have he'd need to make that putt, and a whole lot of things would have to go wrong yep. with both Rory McIlroy and Wyndham Clark for Scotty Scheffler to have any chance. But at the moment, Wyndham Clark he's a dollar forty. Uh, he's I think he put his second shot just short of the seventeenth green. Yep. Um, so he'd he'd be very happy to get up and down. Uh, and Rory McIlroy, who is a shot back of Wyndham Clark at nine under. Is about to take his approach shot to that 18th green, the 72nd the, hole, and, for Rory McIlroy. And this is a massive shot poorly for Rory because if he gets this close, obviously he can find himself 10 under. Uh, if not, he's he's obviously banking on Wyndham Clark to make a mistake uh, over the next couple of shots. I'll talk you through it. Is he, uh, or has he pulled it left? Oh, has he pulled it, it left? It looks left. It's, uh, I'll let you know when it comes down. It's okay, but it's a big. It's going to be a long putt. You'd be looking at par, I think, for Rory there. Uh, he's got a, he's got a bit of work to do. So, uh, Paulie, the one the thing that we do have to talk about, which I heard you mention on the breakfast show, is uh, this fantastic market of picking uh, the starting All Blacks fifteen. Yeah. You, why don't you just be a, an all black, uh, all black selector for one day if you um, head to our AB's first starting 15 for 2023 um, you get the opportunity to select the um, the guys in jerseys 1 to 15 for the first all black test of the year uh, which will be against Argentina in uh, early July I think July the 9th so yeah the bookies have put together a number of combinations uh, that you can throw in you select your outside backs, your midfield, your halves, your loose forwards, uh, locks, hooker, and props. Um, multi them all together and come out with a nice little tidy price and have a little wow. uh, uh, a little stab on that. And um, yeah, yeah, there's some interesting combinations. Obviously, in the outside backs, um, the boys have put together a few. Their most favoured is any other combination, just because of the injury clouds around a number of players. But outside of that, Will Jordan, Lester Fanganuku, and Imoning Narawa mm. are at $2.25. Uh, in the midfield, um, it looks like Geordie Barrett and Rico Iwani are hot favourites there at $1.15. Um, in the halves, no real surprises there. Aaron Smith and Richie Mwanga would probably be the most likely, and they're $1.80. So, yeah, you can sort of pretend to be All Black Selector for a day. Well, everyone loves doing it, Paulie. Now you've got to put your money where your mouth is. You know what yeah, I mean? Everyone yeah, loves to throw their, uh, their 10 cents out on social media, and why don't you put a little bit of money on it? How about uh, how about the uh, the Ashes, Paulie? How is it poised, the live the head-to-head betting at the moment, heading into day four? And it is, I think, very well poised for a result. Because obviously you've got Baz there who isn't, you know, he's never going to play for a draw. And uh, it could be a, a late declaration if they score big runs today, try and get Aussie out on day five. How's it How's it looking odds-wise? Yeah, we've had, uh, look, a wee bit more action on the English. Uh, they're currently two thirty-six, $2.36 to win that test, that first test match at Edgebaston. Uh, the Aussies are $2.22. Flight favourites, the draws at $4.45. So yet slightly more action on the English, probably because of that um, McCallum factor. Um, the boys have also got a number of power plays in there for you. Uh, 
in regards to the second innings. Uh, and there's a boosted odds market. Joe Root to be the English top run scorer in the second innings. It's been boosted out to $3.65. That has been very, very popular with punters. Of course, you can bet on uh, what the next wicket will be sort of thing. Um, total runs for the Poms. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty of different options that you can sink your teeth into. But the most popular in the head-to-head market, um, the English at $2.36. Beautiful. Lots uh, lots to sink our teeth into this week, Paulie. And uh, Rory here has a 41-foot putt, which he's got a 4% make percentage of. This is to get a birdie. <laughs> Otherwise, he's going. Uh, he's staying on nine under uh, for the round, and he's going to hope that Wyndham Clark uh, bogeys last hole. Putt from Rory goes oh. close, but doesn't get there. So Wyndham Clark is, uh, is the leader at 10 under on the uh, finishing the 17th. So he needs to bogey to go to a playoff. If he holds his nerve, Makes the part, Paulie. He will be the US Open champion. Do you, by the way, did you? What are the what were the odds for Wyndham Clark before before the tournament? Um, I can know? tell you the highest price. The highest price that he was backed at was one hundred and one dollars. Wow! So there are a number of punters who got on Wyndham Clark at one hundred and one. I think he was around the fifty or sixty dollar mark before the tournament started, and then drifted out to one hundred and one during the tournament. That was the highest price that he was backed at. Um, and yeah, well, right now he's odds on, isn't he? All and- he has to do is play par golf down the last... Oh, hold on a minute. Oh, the big slice. The big slice. Here we go, Paulie. We've got plenty of golf to come. Oh, that's he's fantastic. gone over another fairway, and they've they've literally just brought up on the screen as well that he's hit every single fairway and every single green so far in this tournament, which is remarkable. <laughs> but he's just gone and <laughs> stuffed it up. That's commentator's curse. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh, he, he just hit that fairway twice today. Yeah. Okay, Paulie, uh, <laughs> go and enjoy it, my friend. I know you'll sit back and you'll watch it eagerly. Thanks for coming on. Very good. Thanks, Sammy. There, there you go. Mate. Download the, uh, the TAB app today for all your uh, for all your live sports and play betting as well. Scotty Shefflin misses the birdie putt, so he's going to stay on seven under. But Wyndham Clark, just to paint the picture for you, on the 18th, took out the driver a massive slice off to the right. He is in another fairway, so in that regard, he's he's got a you know he's got a lie, um, but gee, he it's the pressure's on him now because if he bogeys. Uh, there's going to be a playoff between him and Rory McIlroy. Uh, I'll keep you updated. 0800-150-811 is our number. If you do want to jump on the phone, uh, 8833. Uh, if you want to text, we will take a break. When we come back, we will go to Robinho in the booth and find out what's making news. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world. Just before we get to what's making news, Wyndham Clark approaching the 18th green, getting the applause from the crowd. His second shot was decent. It was good enough. He's got a big, long putt, but you'd think all he's going to do is get it close and then tap that in for par, and he will take out the US Open. Wyndham Clark at 10 under. Wow. Didn't see that one coming. I thought Scheffler all the way, and then Rory, as the uh, as the tournament progressed, even Fowler, right, who was up in the, in the mix, but he's had a shocking fourth round. Wyndham Clark's probably going to take the US Open. Robbie... What Sam. else is making news? What else is making news? That's the question we try to answer. And um, I've got some stories, but this, my worry always when I come in and do what's making news is that you're, you're the main what's making news man. I don't want to try on your no toes. Pressure, mate, there's no pressure here, Robbie. And it's about, it's about development. You know what I mean? It's about bringing through uh, the, uh, the reserve graders. So right. uh, I'm here for but it, But also Robbie. my main thing is 
What if I choose a story that you've already uh, that is, chosen? But that, we'll is, see. that is criminal. I can, I can only apologise. That we'll, is criminal. We'll, we'll you, have, you have been in Boston for about a month, so have, I'll yeah. give you some slack. All right, fair enough. Um, first of all, we found a uh, Belgian TikToker who faked his own death uh, to find out who cared and then turned up to the funeral. So uh, near the city in Liege, his funeral was attended by many friends and family members, and while they were waiting for the ceremony to begin, instead they were met by a landing helicopter, and the man stepped out with a camera crew. Oh my gosh. So apparently he said that he faked his own death to see how his wider family would react and said he felt underappreciated by them. He added, <laughs> what I see in my family often hurts me. I never get invited to anything. Nobody sees me. We all grew apart. I felt unappreciated. That's why I wanted to give them a life lesson and show them that you shouldn't wait until someone is dead to meet up with them. Yeah, that is next level lesson teaching. Have you ever heard it? So... Were the people at the funeral? The other people were they? Did they were they aware? Or did it, was everyone literally there crying? And I'm pretty sure, yeah. That is nasty. It is. That have is have nasty. you seen Friends? Yeah. His Ross did that. Did he? He fake f- faked his. Uh, when the him and Chandler were posting on the like high school forum, and then they said Ross had died, and then they hosted like a gathering for him to see who would show up, and then I can't even remember that. It's good. Right. Me- it's good memory from you. I've seen probably. it like um, twenty thousand times. Interesting tactic from the Belgian man. We'll Indeed. see if it pays off Indeed. Uh, Another story, an Australian man was uh, sitting on the toilet in his home in Queensland when he spotted something a bit frightening, a nearly 10-foot python on top of his shower. I thought uh, you were going to say that python was coming from somewhere else, but right. uh, no, scary no. all the same. Yep. Uh, the snake uh, was, yeah, atop of his shower door frame just underneath a light, and so uh, the man apparently said that after he stopped having a laugh for a few minutes, which I guess what you, is what you do in Australia when you see those things, yep. uh, he got the hook and took it down, and then it was not very happy about being removed from the heat coming from the light. So uh, apparently he avoided being bitten by the snake, managed to get it into a pillowcase for safe transport into the wild. Wild story, and an interesting ending as well. We wouldn't have picked the pillowcase no. as, the, uh, as the device of choice. I tend to always find a snake story for some reason. That and seems... Which is terrible because I hate snakes. Right, so... okay, well, apologies. Moving swiftly onwards then. <laughs> uh, something very interesting is being sold in vending machines in Korea. Oh, uh, I want to try and guess. Okay. Is it, is it food? No. Mm. Okay, what is it? Bars of gold. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yeah, you probably weren't going to guess that. That's not um, bad at all. GS Retail. Genuine gold. Yes. Uh, confirmed that sales of gold bars at, a convenient, at its convenience stores totaled $19 million in the past nine Gee months. Whiz. The gold bars dispensed through vending machines were introduced last September at five of its stores. The machines offer five sizes weighing three and a half to 35 grams. And so, uh, yeah, apparently the the gold, uh, the most popular one is the smallest, the three and a half grand one, which is currently priced at around $225, which I assume is... US, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, that's, um, gee, that's, um, yeah, they say gold is a good store of value. Good putt here from Wyndham. It goes close. He will tap that in. He will take the par and he will win the US Open. Fantastic result. Um, yeah, they say gold's a very good store of value. So, was this in Korea or Japan? South Korea. South Korea. Uh, maybe they're onto something. Yeah, I Just, think a lot of people are keeping it because of its, uh, yeah, well, it's better value. Than, it's and... better than cash when you're printing cash left and right. Sure. Looking at every government around the world right now. And a final story. I'm a big fan of this one. Mm -hmm. A government official in India has been suspended after ordering a reservoir to be drained to look for his dropped phone. Is this your last story, Robbie? It is. You should have stopped. Why is that? You should have stopped. You've done that one. We may have done that one. Right. We okay. May have done that well, one. That's okay. Hey, look, we'll just I stopped you before you got into it, so yeah. you don't lose any marks. Well, I mean, okay, fair enough. In, <laughs> in fairness, 
I was I was talking to Captain K in the office, yeah, and I showed it to him, and he's like, "Oh, that is gold. Do that one." Oh, Captain K. But he he, 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 hasn't, he hasn't been on the show exactly. Uh, either. But anyway, me 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 and Captain K had a good laugh of that, and I'm sure uh, you'll find Sam uh, go into that story on the podcast if you do want to have a listen. <laughs> there you go. Uh, got a facts. fact for me. I've yep. got some facts. Yeah. Um, every time I find a fact, I'm like, "How do they?" Like, how do they get this information? Yeah, I don't uh, understand. Yeah. But anyway, based on the that's internet, that's what we're here for. On average, 100 people choke to death on ballpoint pens every year. 100 people. 100 people. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know how you do that unless no. you take it apart. Can I just say right now, Wyndham Clark, just that is pure emotion right there. That Beautiful. the man has just sunk his, his uh, par putt to win the U.S. Open. He's in tears. He's hugging his caddy. The hats over the face that is a man overcome and uh what an awesome story that is so congratulations to Wyndham clark the 2023 us open champion you got another fact i do have another fact um it's possible to lead a cow upstairs but not downstairs <laughs> what cows can't go downstairs apparently wow i wonder why that is it's like pigs can't look up, right? So yeah, cows exactly. can't go downstairs. That's good to know. Yeah. That's uh, good to know. 35% of the people who use personal ads or online apps for dating are already married. Are you just burning all your facts? Like, Yeah, I am. You, you want well, to store these up just in case, man. You oh, gotta, that's a good point. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting all your good ones out of the way. Here's one for you, yep. which actually got um, talked about on the run home uh, last week, but I heard it this morning as well, that Freddie Fittler is 5-0 and in Game 2s in State of Origin. He's 5-0. and Never won at Suncorp, though. Never won in Queensland. Yeah. And... Uh, for uh, young Wyndham Clark, that is he the highest he had ever finished at a major, and he's played in seven of them, uh, is 75th, and he's just gone and won the US Open. Wow. How good is that? That is what's making news. That is a fantastic what's making news, Robbie. I give you a 7.8 I'll out take of 10, that. which is a strong score. I it's a very strong that. score. Um, it's a good starting point. We can build from there. Okay. Um, it's all about the moments. We'll take a short break, come back with more after this. Coming up to 2 o'clock here on Afternoons with Steph. You know, Steph, uh, this week I'm sitting in, Sammy sitting in today, and then um, we have a TBC on who's going to sit in for the rest of the week. I did actually get a text in from uh, Case uh, listening in from over in Boston. Case, I hope you're enjoying the show, big ball. Uh, Have a great day to you and uh, appreciate you listening along. Text in here on 8833 says, I found a snake on my windscreen wiper. Oh, my windscreen once. I think it was a windscreen viper. That's from Rory. I need a little didimch. Do you have a didimch there, Robbie? I'm sure there's something there for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Ken says, uh, Sam, I heard on Sunday that RTS will play Bunnings Cup with Auckland, but only a rumour. Wait and see. Cheers, Ken. Ken, you generally are pretty on the money with your Royal, aren't you? Uh, Vaughan says, hey, Sammy, I'd say there's only one centre spot. Pompey's played every game this year. Yep, but Pompey is off contract at the end of the season, and I doubt he'll be re-signed, Vaughan. So whether the Warriors are going to keep persisting with that or whether they're happy to shake it up, that's going to be the question. But I don't think Adam Pompey's got a contract for 2024 with the Warriors. And Sean says, um, yep, centre is the one position they have been unsettled on. Going to talk with uh, Scotty Sattler after 2 o'clock, talk some rugby league. Um, might ask him about Roger and what he thinks because I've just seen um, Fox League have put out a post saying, should the Roosters target Roger Tuivasa-Sheck? Because that is the conversation here. He is signed for the Warriors for 2024, but there's nothing stopping him from going somewhere else for the remainder of this season. Well, I don't think there is. And also the Warriors might be able to sign Roger for, for, for a contract for just this year at unders because they'd say to him, mate, just come back and play for us 
and then we'll get, you know, you'll have your proper contract in 2024. Who knows? There's so many questions around it, but uh, it's great to have, well, it's fun to have the conversation. So after two o'clock, we're going to chat with Scotty Sattler. We'll talk some NRL. We'll talk Ben Hunt. We'll talk Roger Tuivasa-Shet. We'll talk Origin Game 2 up in Suncorp. We'll talk some Ashes, cricket as well. Show me the money revisited. And Jimmy Smith across the ditch with Jimmy Smith. Don't want to miss that one. So uh, keep your texts coming in, double eight, double three. Uh, keep your ears tuned in, and uh, we will catch up with Scotty Settler after news, sport, and weather up at 2 o'clock. All right, welcome back in to Afternoons with Staffy here on SCNZ. No staff, he is away for the week, taking a much-deserved break, probably with his feet up watching the US Open, which has just wrapped up Wyndham Clark, the winner there, um, which is what, really a, a major surprise to a lot of people. Major, no pun intended. And uh, he'll be parked up watching the Ashes tonight as well, Game 4. Sorry, Day four of game one and live commentary here on SCNZ, which I am absolutely loving. Jeremy Coney in the commentary box as well. Uh, between now and three, uh, very shortly going to catch up with uh, Scotty Sattler, talk some rugby league. Uh, we will have a look over the ashes and what happened, uh, what has happened over the first three days. And we're going to catch up with Jimmy Smith a bit later on as well. You can text you on double eight double three at any point during the show. Lots of texts coming in on Roger Tui Vasa Sheik. I might ask our next guest about that. It is a former Penrith Lock and ECN host from across the ditch. Good friend of our show as well, Scotty Sattler. Welcome in, Sats. Jimmy, how are you, mate? Mate, I'm doing very well. So much I want to talk about with you, but firstly, I just want to throw a name at you. Alex Twole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, starting, they're thinking about getting uh, shirts made up, the hashtag I was there. Because, uh, <laughs> Alex Twole, after 116 NRL games, scores his first try on the weekend. Now, I went and had a look at the replay again yesterday, and I still think there was a knock-on in mid-air, but we're not going to oh, take it off. Don't, Sats, don't do oh, that I to know, him. I know. <laughs> so in saying that, um, it really has taken the rugby league landscape by storm. It's... It's a, yeah, for the listeners out there who don't know who Alex Twell is, he's a front row of the place for the West Tigers. He's a, he's a wonderful young man. He's very likeable. And he hasn't been able to score a try in 116 NRL games. So for, I reckon probably the last year, there's been this campaign to try and get him across the trial line. Now, Coach Tim Sheens, when he took on the head coaching role again at the West Tigers, he said to Alex Twell, one of my great ambitions is to get you across the strike for the first time while I'm coaching here, and he's been able to do that. So uh, it's a great story. He scores his first try against Melbourne on the weekend. Their only try, mind you, the West Tigers in that loss to the Melbourne Storm on the weekend. And and now, um, and the good part about it is the referee had a smile. The referee went up <laughs> and congratulated him. It's, just, yeah. it's actually just embraced the rugby league community. It's been a really good story. Yeah, and I, like all the fans going nuts, and even the Tigers players, it was just it was just awesome. And even uh, the commentary as well. I know uh, on the Fox League commentary here, Vossi nearly broke a, broke his vocal cords uh, getting up, <laughs> getting up, and uh, pumped about it. Sets uh, another name that uh, that I want to throw at you is Ben Hunt, because man, this mm. this story is uh, it just keeps taking a turn. And now it's only a report that I saw this morning, but there is a report that he's now even willing to pay out his own contract. He's that desperate to get out of the Dragons. I mean. Where, where's he going to go? Where, where are the logical and viable options for Ben Hunt? Well, firstly, if he's willing to pay out his contract, which is a lot of money, mind you, it's $1.1 million reportedly a season. He's still got two and a half seasons to go on his contract. Uh, lost his very good friend and mentor in Anthony Griffin as, as the coach of the Dragons, who was he was terminated uh, a few weeks ago. It must, things must be really bad at a club internally if a player is, is willing to do that. It's not a great sign for the Dragons. But in saying that, you sign a contract, a very handsome contract, mind you, and as a player, you are responsible, not 
not not completely responsible, but largely responsible for how coaches keep their jobs. Mm. So if you aren't able to keep a first-grade coach's job because of performances, well, in essence, you've played a role in that. So what I want to say is to the, the Dragons, who are in absolute turmoil at the moment, Sammy, the, but they've got a really opportunity, real good opportunity here to make a really strong stance about what they stand for as a club moving forward and, and that they're not going to be a club that's going to be walked over and rolled over. So uh, if I was the Dragons, I would be saying to Benny, listen, Benny, get Origin out of the way on Wednesday night. Take another day to recuperate. Let's get you in the office. Let's sit down and talk about our vision with our new coach, Shane Flanagan. And let's talk about where we see you and how important you're going to be to this club when it comes to recruiting and who we need to get at the club so we can have sustainability for the next five or ten years. Um, if the decision is still no, I want to go and I want to go play for a club in Queensland, well, the only club is the Gold Coast Tigers. Now, as good as Benny Hunt is, uh, and he is a very good player and will play a major role if, if Queensland will wrap up the Origin Series, he is 30, 34 in February. And if the Gold Coast Titans are going to pay any more than $650,000, $700,000 for him, well, they need, you know, they need to be questioned about, about what their sustainability is like as well. So um, if I'm the Dragons, I'd be standing firm and I'd be saying, you're not going anywhere. You've got a contract to fulfil and we hope you enjoy the, the, new, uh, the new vision that we have moving forward. We want you to be a big part of that. Um, it may mean you know, a position after the after rugby league as well in coaching or pathways development, whatever it may be. But we want you to be part of that. So as the Dragons, I'd be standing firm. I wouldn't be letting him go anywhere. And if he doesn't want to play, unfortunately he's got to sit on the sideline like Gordy Tallis did in 1996 when he left the, the Dragons to go to the Broncos. But it's it's fascinating those stats because a lot of Warriors fans can can sympathise with that point of view and the fact of obviously during COVID we had a lot of guys asking for early releases and the club was granting them left and right. A lot of people saying why aren't we standing firm? Why aren't we telling these guys they've got to fulfil their contracts? And it happens all the time in the NRL. But at the same time, how is it tenable if a player is is being this vocal about wanting to leave? How can you how can he be good for the club to stay? Because there's been a lot of circumstances, Sammy, where you say, and it is, if you kick up enough, kick enough sand in the face of the club and the supporters, you, you know, the supporters and everyone just more or less says, oh, we don't want this in our club. It could end up becoming poisonous. Um, we might as well just get him out of the club, keep his $1.1 million for the next two years, and let's go find some players. The problem is there's not a lot of players on the market mm. that can, the marquee players that are going to gonna demand that sort of money. So, you know... As a club, there's been circumstances before where player A is playing at a club, but he's got an option to go to club uh, club B. Um, but if if that doesn't become a realistic opportunity, legacy and pride takes over, and that means well, at the end of the day, I'm still going to play a player rugby league at a club, and is probably my second option at the moment. But I'm still going to be getting playing rugby league, get to possibly play Origin, and earn over a million dollars a year. Pride all of a sudden takes over. And and when I talk about legacy, if you continue to, to um, make ways for the club and and um, and also um, basically um, form an opinion that the club is is, is, uh, is not a club worth supporting, well, then your legacy gets gets uh, interfered with it as well. The way that you're remembered as a player as opposed to being this... It's very good player, very, very good player, I've got to say. A great origin player. 
and then the last couple of years of your career, you, you're reminded, of, you're reminding people that you're more or less a troublemaker. That's not what anyone wants on their on their conscience and their legacy. Mm. So, I hope common sense prevails here, and I just hope that the Dragons can sit down with Benny Hunt and say, "You've signed a contract. We want you to fulfil it, but most of all, we want you to be part of what our future looks like." Mm. And uh, I think hopefully they can come to some agreement. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting times ahead, Sats. Um, have a quick look at the uh, the games from the weekend, and there were only uh, it was a truncated round with the bye. Uh, and staying with the Cowboys, who, you know, before their bye, three weeks before it, went down by 66 points to 18 against the Tigers. But they've beaten the Storm 45 points to 20. They go into the bye, and then they come out and beat the Panthers. And I know, you know, it was a depleted Panthers team, but it was also a somewhat depleted Cowboys team. Are they just starting to build something a little bit, the Cowboys? They're not in the eight yet, but I just have that feeling that they're starting to turn things around in 23? Yeah, Sammy, it's all about timing um, in in competitions. Whether you're going to try and win a comp and win a minor premiership, make the top four, or even just to make the top eight, you've got to take, get, take advantage of any situation that the competition throws at you. And you can't control that. So you've got to take it on board and try and take advantage of it. That's what the Cowboys have done. They've, they've taken advantage of a, a period of the season when when the Panthers have got all their key players out. And like you said, they've got some key players out as well. But then it adds to how good your depth, and their depth is really good. So, yeah, you win two, a game two weeks ago, have a bye, now win on the weekend. All of a sudden, they're on 16 points. They're one point out of the eight, and they're right amongst it now. So, And winning just winning breeds confidence. And doesn't matter how you win and who you win against. I remember, Sammy, when we won the comp in 2003, we... Played the Broncos during origin period, beat them 13-6 at Suncorp Stadium, and then we played the Newcastle Knights during origin period and beat them quite convincingly. And that played a huge part in us winning the minor premiership and the premiership in the end. No one remembers who you play against, what team you beat in round 15 or round 16. All they see is that you beat the Penrith Panthers in round 15-16, and that goes a long way into you playing finals footy. So mm. it's all about timing. And the Cowboys, like you said, they're just priming themselves beautifully now. And they've got some really key players that have all come back now that, that I think they'll make a tilt. And I think they'll eventually make the eight. And I think they'll stay there at the end of the year. Yeah, and it's just a roster with so much quality on it. You can't see anything but them making final football. Uh, Knights, Roosters, and Roosters getting a two-point win there. But it's scrappy once again, Sets. And I know they're missing a few players. Them. It was a horrible game. At what yeah. point, At what point? and I'm not saying you put a line through the Roosters, but at what point is it almost too far for the Roosters to completely turn around this season to the point where they are premiership contenders, what everyone thought at the start of the year? I had them as minor premiers. I had them as playing in the grand final as well, Sammy. But no, I, I think they. I don't think they'll make the finals this year. Unfortunately, I. I think there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of decisions that are being made by players off the field, and the way that they're living their life currently is playing a, a big role in the way they're preparing and playing on the field. They've had some injuries to key players. The dropping of Sam Walker in the end wasn't the right one, but it was probably a, a dice I had to roll at that stage. But, and then the the. The experiment with Joey Manu at 5'8 didn't work. But mm. He looks really good at fullback on the weekend, but that's where James Sedesco <laughs> usually plays. Uh, they've got all these injuries to some some really key players that plug up, plug a little hole, a lot of holes for them. Now the the jaw injury to Luke here, which we're hearing may not be broken. It may only be a week or two out of the game. But they've had this fractured season where they've never had their best 17 on the field. And and so, unfortunately, just with, with you know, a lot of those 
you know, a lot of those situations that have arisen throughout the year, whether it's on the field or whether it's off the field, um, it's really affected their performances. And I don't think they're going to find any mojo or any rhythm anytime soon. That they'll go on like a, you know, if you're out of the, if you if you're in the bottom half of the of the competition, you've got to start putting five or six and seven games, seven wins together, to really entrench yourself in in your finals of rugby league. And I don't think. Mm-hmm. At the moment, they're not playing good enough rugby league and don't have the players at the moment to be able to do it. Yeah, I'll just brush over the Eel Seagulls, uh, Storm West Tigers. I don't think that either of those results were too surprising. But the Sharks, Bulldogs, Sharks 48 points to 10 sets. I think the Sharks might be the best team at beating teams below them. But outside of that, they just can't beat anyone above them. No, they can't. And that was what it was like last year as well. And and they've got such a great coach, such a great defensive coach as a player, Craig Fitzgibbon, but yet... Defensively, it's one of their greatest weaknesses, but they're good yesterday. Um, the Bulldogs are just, I mean, no one knows where the Bulldogs are at, mm. and they've got some good young players. They've just got to try and get 50 games under their belt before they can really compete week to week. So, um, But the Sharkies, yeah, they just, you know, even though they've got the Dally M winner in Nico Hines, they don't have that, even, they don't have that marquee player. They don't have that. Tedesco or yeah. a Munster or, or a Payne Haas. They don't have one of those players who just grabs the game by the scruff of the neck and says, yeah, this is what's happening. Um, they don't have that player. They're a good team, but you just need that blue chip player to break the game open, and they just don't seem to have that player. And um, Yeah, I don't know where they're at. I don't know where they're at. I don't mm. know whether they're just going to make up the numbers or get to the finals, and, and because of last year's experience, they go to another level. So... It remains to be seen. All I do know is that Craig Fitzgibbon is one of the great guys of rugby league, is one of the great competitors of rugby league when he's a player as well. I'd love to see him on grand final day. He's just such yeah. a hard worker. He's, he's, yeah, if you've never come across him and you had the opportunity to, you just you really enjoy his company. Mm. And I love, and I do love watching the Sharks play sets when they're at their best. I mean, the attack is, is one of the silkiest yeah. in the cop. It is fun to watch. Uh, two two questions quickly before we let you go. And you mentioned big name players. Uh, I reckon Wednesday night, uh, Suncorp Stadium, an origin decider, uh, there is no one better for that occasion in hostile territory than Latrell Mitchell. He's not going to be there. Is it, is, it, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it a case of 2-0 Queensland give them the trophy now, do you think? No, I don't think so because Origin has this the theatre of dreams has this ability to throw up all these amazing situations. And it's no different with New South Wales. Now, have New South Wales picked a team that can beat Queensland? Well, it's probably arguable, but yeah, all it takes is two or three players to to really just dominate the night and and rise to the occasion. And you know, playing half playing on his own, his home ground of Suncorp Stadium. The Queensland fans fans love Payne Haas and the way that he plays, but he's playing for New South Wales. James Tedesco's been a he's been in a like a a cry he's, he's like he's been cryback the first <laughs> first game and the last uh, three or four rounds of the season. But there could be a it could be a game that he just breaks out, just explodes. Then you have got Tommy Trebojevic, who you just don't know what you're going to get with him. A lot of people say he's not at his best. I disagree. I think the last couple of weeks he's actually been showing signs of the of what we see from Tommy when playing with Manly. So and you've got the unpredictability of Mitchell Moses. So yeah, there is there is plenty of hope for New South Wales, but what I do know is that many people are saying, oh Queensland complacent, playing at Suncorp, uh, New South Wales got all these injuries, but one thing that Billy Slater won't let them be is complacent. Just for him as a player and from what I'm hearing as a coach, 
there's no way in the world they'll be complacent with Billy as a coach. So it's it's not for Queensland. It's for Queensland to lose, I think. Mm. That's the position they're in at the moment. But like I said, Origin can throw up all these amazing amazing scenarios. Yeah, oh, I cannot wait for for a packed out Suncorp sets and just the sound of, of watching the teams run out. It's going to be it's going to be electric. Uh, last one before I let you go. Uh, big story over this side of the ditch, and I know it's starting to make waves over there. Uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek, who hasn't made the All Blacks team, but and I'm not sure how aware of this you are, sets, but um, the All Blacks named two teams yesterday. They named their 36 man squad for the Rugby Championship. They also named yep. an All Blacks 15, which is essentially you know the, the B the reserve grade team to travel up to Japan and play a couple of games. Now, he didn't make the 36-man All Blacks team, but he also didn't make the 15, which has everyone thinking that is his rugby career basically done and dusted, and the circulation is now starting. Can he get an early release? Will we see him back in the NRL in 2023? It's it's a big – it is a lot of speculation because no one really knows whether or not he can get that release and, and salary cap, you know, teams, whether they can afford him, et cetera. But, but how exciting do you think it would be to have Roger Tuivasashek come in halfway through the season uh, in the NRL? Oh, amazing for the Warriors. I love it for the NRL. And I love it for the Warriors because at the start of the season, I picked them as my most improved side purely because I love their CEO. He's a great guy. And I love their coach, Andrew Webster. He's just, you know, I've had a little bit to do with him from Penrith, but I just know the way that the Penrith guys talk about Andrew Webster. and I just knew that they were going to have a much improved season. They're playing so mature mm. now, especially defensively. But to be able to bring a, a diamond into the side like Roger Tuovasa-Shek, I hope they find every every opportunity to try and bring him back to the game. I'd love to see the NRL chip in yeah. to bring him back to the game. I think that's how, how important he is to the game, especially the game across the ditch as well. But, you know, um, it's going to come down to what they've got in the salary cap. Now, what they usually do, a lot, a lot of clubs will leave one or two places open for throughout the year and some salary cap space because you don't have to have your complete top 30 fulfilled until about the 3rd of August. And they've and they've said so, as much. They've said as much. Sets. They've said they've got a couple of spaces. And Cappy, well, Cappy, got a couple of places. If you've got a couple of places left in your cap, and your minimum wage is you know around one hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty thousand a year. And let's say those bottom end cap players are earning that amount, say two hundred and forty, two hundred and fifty thousand for those two players. You'd think for the last half of the season, that would that would be enough for yeah. Roger Tuivasa-Shek to. Uh, mm-hmm. to uh, to fulfil his role in the in the Warriors side. Now the next question is where do you play him? Because everyone's been playing so well. But you know what was great players, Sammy? You just got to find somewhere for them. <laughs> and I think for him to start on the wing would be great. I think Charles Newell Cook Star is going to be a really good, would be a really good centre eventually in his career, which would open the way for RTS to go back to the number one jersey eventually, not straight away, but eventually. Do you think if they get him uh, this year sets, it propels them into a into top four contention, maybe even premiership contention? I think it. Well, I think they'll definitely play finals, and uh, I think that fourth position is up for grabs because you know, there's a couple of clubs that like like Melbourne Storm. You don't know where you're getting with them at the moment. Um, they're usually a top four club, but you know they're, they're just they're not the Melbourne Storm of old, but they're still great at what they do, if that makes sense. So uh, the Warriors. Uh, continue to play the way they're playing. They're definitely a, a fourth position side, but if they could bring a Roger two of us to check in and they do make the top four, they're a definite premiership threat. Awesome sats. Love having you on as always, my friend. Uh, great opinions and analysis. Uh, enjoy Wednesday night as well. Uh, I don't know if you're heading up to Suncorp. Are you doing a call up there yeah, for, for, for SEN? Yeah. yeah, we're doing the. Of course, we've got the three calls: we've got the Maroons call, the Blues call, and the neutral call. And 
I did the neutral call in Adelaide for game one, which I love the neutral call, but game two at Suncorp on. It's all Queensland. 100% Maroon's call, yeah. <laughs> Love it, Seth. Well, enjoy it, mate. And uh, I hope for your sake uh, they go 2-0 and, and, and take the trophy. Anytime. Anytime, Seth. Thank, Thank you, mate. Thanks, uh, Scotty Settler there. Uh, former Penrith lock, of course, uh, a host on SEN as well. Does a great job over across the ditch and we'll be enjoying Origin on Wednesday night. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we might have a look at some Ashes cricket. Oh, coming up 3.30 here, New Sport and Weather, not too far away. We will have a revisit of Show Me The Money and we'll go across the ditch to Jimmy Smith. Uh, did want to sort of take a deep dive into the Ashes and have a look at that, but uh, we are running out of time. We've just been talking uh, too much rugby and rugby league, a little bit of golf as well. But uh, for those of uh, you who didn't really get to see much of the Ashes over the weekend, I thought uh, it was just a fantastic start. Um, at Edgbiston on Friday night New Zealand time. Zach Crawley first delivery, whacks it through the covers for four and the crowd erupts and I just thought here we go, this is going to be great Ashes cricket Joe Root gets 100 in the first innings for England and Johnny Bairstow chips in with a 78 all out for, well not all out, sorry, 393 and then uh, um, Ben Stokes Brendan McCullum declare and send Australia back in which for a lot of traditionalists and purists were sort of saying what an idiot what are you doing uh, but I love it I just love doing things different and trying to disrupt and you, you would have seen when they were bowling to Steve Smith they brought the field right in close to sort of put him off a little bit and it's just it's what they do to tailwinders normally it was just fantastic mind games I thought from England but Australia did respond pretty well as McQuadra ended up on 141 but really the uh, the key period came I think when they got Warner uh, Labush Labushane Labush Labushkani and uh, Steve Smith, they got all three out of them, uh, three of those guys out within sort of the space of a couple of overs. And back to back, Steve Smith and Manus uh, Labuschagne. Oh no, sorry, it's Warner and Labuschagne that they got back to back. And the crowd at Edgbaston, like it, it was a it was a rugby crowd or a football crowd. You know, it, did, it didn't sound like a cricket crowd. It was just electric. And so I cannot wait for day four today. Um, England are back into bats. Uh, they're twenty eight for two. Uh, Ollie Pope and Joe Root are in. So uh, Ollie Pope must have come in late last night. Um, Joe Root there, who made a century in the first innings. And they were sort of taking it quite slow there. They're at two uh, 2.6 runs and over this innings. But I think it's all poised for a result because Bears is going to tell his boys to go for it. They're not going to sit back. Um, you'd think they need a, a decent lead, you know, 300 plus given the time remaining. Uh, but if they can bet most of today, that gives them a full day to try and skittle Aussie who will probably be playing quite conservatively uh, to, to play out the draw. But I think a result is 100% on the cards. Just hope the rain stays away because uh, it, it was very heavily affected yesterday with the rain. They lost a bunch of sessions. So the rain doesn't uh, come in tonight at Edgebaston. Uh, I, I reckon there's going to be a result in this match and I'd love for it to be England because I can't see an Australian cricket. Let's take a break for news, sport and weather. When we come back, we'll uh, revisit Show Me The Money. Show you the money. Oh, I'm uh, hesitant to go through this with you, Robbie. Um, I know you weren't involved on Thursday last week, but we do have to keep ourselves honest. And I think I'm right in saying this, folks, that this is our last week of Show Me The Money this week coming. So on Thursday, that's going to be our final Show Me The Money uh, that we do, unless uh, we get another prize on board, but it's going to be the last one on Thursday. So uh, let's hope we can get ourselves a winner. Robbie, uh, do you want me to go through them or do you want... 
do you want to go through? Yeah, I probably should give it that you eye. Can, you can tell the story. And okay, then, um... so let's start with the positive, which was uh, Will Warbrick to score a try anytime against the Tigers. I think it was paying about a dollar eighty-three, and I believe this was our or was one of the listeners who took it. He didn't just score one try. Here he is, right side, huge, lovely hands, so good, absolute clinic there and clinical. And Jerome Hughes out the back, uh, boy he's in great touch Jerome, love him as a player and great catch and pass from Smith to Warbrick. Bob, here comes Warbrick, Warbrick v Tempo, too good Warbrick, Hughes floats it across, Smith to Warbrick, now the hat trick. Warbrick this time. Here they come. Peasant for Hughes. And out the back, Manny Warbrick. They've done it again. It's an absolute repeat. Four tries. Four tries he got. So a big old tick for Will Warbrick. We're off to a flyer. An absolute flyer. There you go. Um, And then we go to the Blues Crusaders on Friday night. And shame on this person. I think it was the other listener who chose... The Blues. It really has been all the Crusaders here tonight in Christchurch in the first of the semi-finals. They have simply demolished the Blues, 52 points to 15. Demolished is probably a kind word, Nisbo. Um, no luck for the Blues. So we are one from two. Then we go to uh, tip number three, and I believe. This was my tip in the Chiefs-Brumbies game, which I thought would have a few more tries in it. Didn't really anticipate there'd been uh, to, for it to be terrible weather. It was miserable. I was in Hamilton and at the game. It was one of the worst things I've ever sat through, to be honest. 80 minutes of relatively boring rugby from a spectator point of view in the cold and the rain. I thought Sean Stevenson might score a try. Yeah, it was Big Guzzler, Big Brody, who scored the only try for the uh, for the Chiefs. Although there was a moment where Sean did come semi-close. Not to be. So we are one from three. Brings us to tip number four. And we don't even have any audio for this because it was such an exotic bet from Mark Stafford. And that was Victor Hovland to win his Group B, uh, to win against his playing group or Group B. This is what it was listed at on the TAB. And I can't remember exactly who was in his playing group. Um... Did it, it included some, I think it included Shoffley, who ended up way higher than, than Hovland. Hovland did actually bounce back reasonably well. He, he ended the tournament even par. He had a, a plus two today, so he was two under heading into the fourth round. Uh, he finished on even par and finished 19th, um, and Xander Shoffley finished uh, three under. But I think it was to beat them on the first day, so that's a big fat no as well. Um, one from four, folks. One from four. We're not very good at this, are we? In fact, I'd argue we are utterly atrocious so uh, our last one this week this is what the powers of B are telling me our last one this week there you go someone just texted in here saying uh, Sammy can you give us an updated uh, points ladder for the NRL I sure can because they have added the uh, points on for the buys as well this week and many teams had buys so the Broncos sitting in first position on 24 points uh, then it goes Panthers Storm Panthers second Storm third they're both on 22 points uh, then we've got four teams on 20 points so in order Rabbitohs fourth Sharks fifth Warriors sixth Raiders seventh they're all on 20 points then we've got uh, four teams on 18 points and this is in order Eels eighth Titans ninth Dolphins tenth Roosters eleventh then we've got a team on 17 points in 12th position that's the Seagulls we've got a team on six and 13 that's uh, 
the Cowboys. A team on 15 points in 14th, that is the Knights. And then you've got Dragons and Bulldogs on 12 apiece, sitting in 15th and 16th respectively. And the Tigers still in last position on 10 points in 17th. I still think the Dragons are a team that's going to finish in the wooden spoon. I still think that. I think the West Tigers can snag a couple more wins along the road if they play some good footy. But if you look at the top eight and the teams in and around the Warriors, so you've got the Raiders just in behind us, but a heavy points differential, so just got to stay out ahead of them. Uh, the Eels are on a bit of a charge, uh, and they have won uh, four four of the last five, the Eels. So I think they lost the first four, didn't they? First four or five games to start the season. Well, they've won four from their last five, uh, and they are in the top eight on 18 points with a, with a very high points differential. In fact, it is the second highest points differential in the competition behind Penrith. It goes Penrith and then the Eels. And uh, and the pa- and Parramatta have actually scored the most points in the NRL this season, 392. So there you go. They have played one more game, though, than the, than the Panthers and a couple of other teams. Um, and then the Titans, Dolphins, Roses, just outside of the top eight. I can't – I mean, they'll be just battling for that eighth position, I think, those three teams. So the Warriors sitting pretty good. And uh, we've got a tough couple of games coming up uh, after this bye with uh, the Dragons, the Rabbitohs, the uh, Sharks, and the Eels. But then the home stretch after the last bye is pretty favourable with a lot of teams outside the top eight, uh, including those teams down the bottom. So the Warriors could – Come home strong and uh, and maybe even challenge, dare I say, for that top four. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we will go across the ditch, catch up with Jimmy Smith. SENZ Afternoons with Staffy. No staff this week. He is away taking a well-earned break. So uh, Sammy sitting in and just confirmed actually sitting in today, tomorrow and Wednesday. And then uh, somebody else will take through take you through Thursday and Friday. Um, we've got running it straight on Wednesday as well. Uh, big origin preview myself and Kempi from 2pm. So, uh, so tune in for that. But I think we can go across the ditch. Catch up with Jimmy Smith. There he is. Hey. What you, what you up to, Sammy? Hey. What are you up to? Oh, just you know, talking a bit of talking a bit of sport on Staffy's radio show, and uh, try not to get fired. Where's Staffy? <laughs> um, what's that line they always use on like in sport and athletes, like um, personal leave or something? Is that what they oh, use? No, just okay. just don't go into it, Jimmy. Okay, just uh, respect the privacy. There was a, a play called Jeffrey Bernard is unwell, and mm. it was about a columnist. Um, and unwell was code for he's incredibly hungover again. So <laughs> could be true. He, he can't write. <laughs> he can't write or slash host a uh, radio program. Now, yeah, yeah. Lo- lots lots to get through here, mate. Super rugby over the course of the weekend. Um, yes. What did you make of all that? Crusaders. Wow. Yeah. So I actually went to the uh, to the Chiefs game on Saturday, Jimmy, in Hamilton. Um, I in saw the, that in the pouring rain, and yeah. uh, you know, just putting all those people uh, to shame that say that oh, I'm not a rugby fan. I was there uh, in the pouring rain, in the freezing cold, watching a game of rugby that took 77 minutes to get its first try. So I loved it, uh, it, it because I'm a massive fan. But uh, the Crusaders on Friday, I mean, that was you know a demolition is the word that a lot of people are using. Very surprising given. Uh, the Blues, the Crusaders are without eight of their All Blacks. The Blues have about 10 All Blacks themselves. Um, by all measures, the better team on paper. The Crusaders haven't had a great season and took them to the cleaners, Jimmy. And yeah. uh, really a lot of people putting that down to a real lack. And this always baffles me, and you'll, you'll be closer to this than I am. It always baffles me when captains and players come out saying that they just weren't up for it or mentally you know, sort of prepared for it in a way, which baffles yeah. me given it's a semi-final of a major competition. But that's what it looked like. Well, here's the other one. We got ambushed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you get ambushed? Yeah, especially when you're uh, in Christchurch. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, yeah. Chiefs and Crusaders in the final. Mm-hmm. 
Um, now, the All Black squad has been named. A couple of things standing out for me. Uh, no RTS. Yes. So we can talk about that. But here's the other thing. I also, when I was just looking at Brody Redelick and he's played 100, he's got 100 caps. And then I thought, oh, I wonder who's got the most. Sam Whitelock, he's going to go past Richie McCaw. Is he or is he not? Uh, I think he's got the ability to if he stays fully healthy. Problem for yeah. Sam Whitelock is that he's he's at that age now where he is picking up the injuries, so gets you know the, the games rested, etc. Um, but very much could be that it, it is always interesting in a rugby world cup year, Jimmy. What happens during the rugby championship because it, you're trying to give guys as much game experience as possible before a world cup, but you also don't want to lose the bleeders low. And you know maybe the the rugby championship. So it, it's this yeah. real interesting dynamic, and whether those top line guys are going to be playing every single game to big TBC. But Sam Whitlock will go close. Um, although Brody uh, was it Retalick? Is that Retalick? Is that what we what we call him over there? What, what, how do you pronounce his name? <laughs> well, it's Retalick here in New Zealand, but okay. I actually prefer. No, we, I actually we prefer very Ritalik. much call him Retalick. <laughs> yeah, we've got other names for him here too, no, which I'm not prepared I bet. to go into. I okay. bet. Oh, but uh, uh, yeah. here's the other thing that strikes me: the most caps, the top eleven players, none of them made a debut later than the year two thousand. So none of them made a debut just, later than two thousand. Okay, sorry, uh, pre two thousand. So that means all the rugby that is played now means you get the bump up yeah. those games, right? Yep, for sure. There was a time, you know, years and years ago where they did used to play like fifty tests a year, but um, certainly, yeah, recently, or I guess in the professional era, it has all been. Uh, if you look at that list, it is all players that have probably retired or are still playing over the last ten years. So RTS doesn't make the squad. No, sir. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Jimmy, and mm-hmm. I'll try and keep it brief. The challenge for me, but I will try. He misses the All Blacks. That isn't a surprise because he has hardly been playing rugby. He hasn't even been able to make the Blues team um, or even the reserves. So didn't make the All Blacks. But yesterday, the All Blacks also named an All Blacks 15. And this is a basically a reserve grade side that's going to travel to Japan and play, you know, not friendlies, but international games uh, to keep those players playing rugby so that they're ready for the All Blacks should they need to be called upon. Right. RTS didn't even make that team. So not only does he not make the All Blacks 36-man squad, which is a big damn squad in itself, he doesn't make the B-grade reserve side, which mm-hmm. just put a line through him, Jimmy. He is not making the All Blacks. He is not going to the Rugby World Cup. So the only thing left in front of him is a domestic MPC club competition that starts in August. Why on earth he'd want to play in that when there's no end goal for that anyway? There's no... You know, it's not like he's playing in that to make the All Blacks because it'll be all but done at that point. So someone raised a good point. It'll be essentially like an NRL player not making the first grade team and just playing reserve grade and being okay with that before they head over and play international rugby the following year. Yeah. It's, so yeah. it doesn't make any sense. No. Nah. doesn't make any sense. It Would he be contractually obligated to play that or is that a separate contract in no. a super rugby no. contract? No. Nah. So every player in New Zealand is, is centrally contracted by New Zealand rugby, so it will be part of his right. contract. But this is the big debate. Would New Zealand rugby entertain an early release given that the Warriors did the same for him two years ago, halfway through the NRL season? Uh, and that is a big what if. Um, okay. But from, certainly from a fan's perspective, even rugby fans, Jimmy, want to want to see NZR show a bit of ticker and, and let the guy walk if that's what he wants to do. Okay, so that was the next part. Do New Zealand rugby view now, based on what I've seen across some social media platforms and um, you know feeling all the, the groundswell of support for the Warriors, do they now perceive rugby league very differently as a threat? Well, or do I- they 
they maintain their dominance. I, I raise that, Jimmy, as like a, almost a bit of a conspiracy theory. Like, do they not release him knowing that at the moment there is a big conversation going on in New Zealand as to, you know, rugby dying? I mean, this was a big a news story came out last week, a documentary about is rugby dying in New Zealand? And it just caused waves across the country. So there is, at the moment, this real interesting dynamic between rugby league and rugby where rugby is falling away, the All Blacks aren't winning, the, the Super Rugby competitions are, are sort of failing, there is all these rules and rest and rotation. Meanwhile, the Warriors are flying high. Everyone loves the NRL. It's an amazing product. You've got State of Origin on the side. Maybe yeah. maybe rugby, there is a part of them that says, we don't want to release this guy knowing that he's going to be eyeballs on TV and he's going to be a massive groundswell of support for the Warriors if he goes. So that, I mean, it's you'd hate to think that they're thinking like that, Jimmy, but it might be the case. Uh, well, what do they say? That one of the keys to success in business is paranoia. So, you know, they would be well within their rights to do that. Hey, you want a bit of breaking news? Yes, sir. City Morning Herald reporting that the Roosters have given Matt Lodge permission to leave the club effective immediately. Are they going to be paying him $700,000 next year while he does it or...? No, no, no. He's he he hasn't been. Re- no, that's not a worry. He hasn't been. He hasn't been re-signed. Jarabur Ho. He's not going to be re-signed, and they've uh, been disappointed with his performances and attitude since they told him he wasn't going to be re-signed. So you can leave now. Where does he bob up? Where where could? You, oh. where could well, who Matt wants Lodge? him? Well, who wants him, Jimmy? I mean, God, everywhere he's gone, it seems to be you know. I want to say a poison, but he does seem to disrupt. So I don't know who wants him. Does anyone that's want it. him? That's the other thing because, you know, the Roosters were confident their system yeah. was going to be able to control Matt Lodge and mm. apparently uh, and uh, it would appear that they haven't been able to do it. So interesting. And I know there's a Warriors connection to that. Uh, please continue with your Warriors AM. I'm sure the listeners are enjoying <laughs> hey, can, I don't know if you can see, uh, Jimmy, but I'm wearing my Warriors uh, hoodie this afternoon. So that was got, just a coincidence, no really. Yeah, yeah, real coincidence. Yeah. Uh, no yeah. doubt about that. Great job, Sammy. All right, Speak mate. to you. Talk soon. Uh, there you go, Jimmy Smith from across the ditch. Uh, well, it's always a bit of fun catching up with Jimmy. We'll take a short break, come back with Back in the Day after this. Here's what happened back in the day. Going back in the day, June 19, we go back to 1984, where the Chicago Bulls were quote-unquote stuck with Michael Jordan. They selected the sport's greatest prize when they drafted MJ with the third pick in the NBA draft, even though they didn't really want him. They had been covering a big centre, uh, coveting a big centre, specifically uh, Akeem Olajuwon, but he was taken by the Houston Rockets in the first selection. The Portland Trailblazers then took Kentucky centre Sam Bowie, and the Bulls were stuck with Michael Jordan. And now we are ready for the third pick, and the Chicago Bulls, who have been drafting very high down through the years, and they have the third pick today. The Chicago Bulls pick Michael Jordan of the University of North Carolina. There you go. Back in 1984, of course, he went on to score uh, 10 NBA scoring titles, leading the Bulls to six championships. Uh, amazing. On this day 12 years ago, Rory McIlroy won the US Open. There you go, on this exact day. Couldn't do it today, though, in 2023. Birthday today, Rory Underwood, the former English wingers, 60. Dirk Nowitzki, the German NBA Ford is 45. Moss Burmester, former Com Games gold medalist, is 42. Casey Coppola, she has a birthday today. And Harry Plummer, the Blues and Auckland first five turns, 25. On this day in 1977, the number one movie was The Rescuers. The number one song was by Fleetwood Mac. That is us for a Monday afternoon, people. We will be back tomorrow. I will be in the chair again from 12 until 3. Coming up next, though, it is The Run Home with Kirsten Beef.